Blog Talk Radio.
and that is victory. Love that song. Love that song. Um, it's about o'clock, so this is one of my favorite. And so, since I'm doing the show tonight, uh, the show is going to be featuring featuring the host myself. I said, what stronger song than to come than victory, folks? How's everybody doing tonight? Hopefully, everybody's doing wonderful. Hopefully, you had a blessed day today. Hopefully, you was able to get out and do some of the things you uh, had on your things-to-do list. And you're relaxing, chilling, just looking forward to a good show tonight. Well, you listen to the Douglas Kennedy Family and Friends Network. I'm Seth Asley, grandson. Many of you should know that by now. Asley was a daughter of Ed and Isabel. And this is, again, the... Um, Douglas Kennedy Family Friends Network, honoring the one and only Ed Douglas and Isabel Kennedy. Okay, so tonight we got a a show lined up for you tonight, folks. Today is the 7th of June, 2016. And um, I want to welcome and thank everyone that is on the phone lines already. We cannot, do not take for granted our family members that's on the phone line this early. Uh, so just wanted to tell y'all thank you, appreciate being early because a lot of, I mean, I play that song again for the rest of the show and those that are late will miss out. So thank y'all again for being on time. Early bird gets the worm, as they used to say. Well, anyway, tonight, tonight, tonight is a show where, uh, as y'all know, we have, uh, interviewed everybody under the sun, uh, and we'll continue to do that. But tonight we thought we'd take time out to honor the host, which is myself, and next week we will be honoring the one and only Darlene Douglas. Speaking of Darlene, I asked her how is she, did she mind taking a break today, this week, uh, because number one, she needs a break, that's number one. Number two, probably the biggest reason was I'm going to be jumping around a lot, I'm going to have hopefully a, a few friends calling in, and Darlene don't know these friends, she might feel a little awkward because we're going to be talking about a whole lot of things she uh, not a part of, you know, and uh, I just think it'd be probably the best fit for us to do a little solo tonight. I, I'll go solo and then I'll bring on the friends later on. You'll see what I mean. As the show progresses, you will see how that would be a very wise choice. But Darlene and I do need a break. We do need a break. I'm serious. Doing these shows is a challenge. I don't know uh, who would... Uh, be able to fill in. I've been trying to solicit family members, you guys, to come in and do the boards, and I and I do the same thing. But nevertheless, I still got a little juice in my tank, and as long as there's juice in the tank, I'll continue to host and uh, bring these shows to you. But Darlene, on the other hand, um, can take a break and uh, ask her, and she didn't mind it at all. So Darlene Douglas is taking a break from tonight's show into next week. It'll be all about her, okay? All about Darlene. So that's what's happening tonight. You will not be we will not be going to Austin to visit our cousin. She'll be on next week and the same we'll be back to the same usual platform. So like I said, I'm gonna have some friends calling and uh there's some people from uh that's been knowing me, these are not family members. As you know, this is the Douglas Kennedy family and Friends Network. We hardly ever hear from our friends, but tonight we shall. We shall. So you hear some people that knew me, know me, and they may have some, you know, something to share about me. 
Okay, so that's what happened tonight. Again, a lot, a lot of different experiences I'll be talking about, and I just didn't want to put her in an awkward position. You'll see what the, what I mean by that later. It will be clear as day. Well, anyway, how is the family doing tonight? I really hope y'all are doing well. Really do hope y'all are doing well. I put a lot of photos on the uh, Ed and Isabel page. I hope y'all had the opportunity to see the the photos. Um, some of those photos we won't mention. Some of those events we won't mention. Some of those experiences will not be mentioning at all. This was just an effort to show you just a little bit about things that have uh, touched my life, helped me over the years, encouraged me over the years, monumental moments and places and people, times, um, things that were very influential in my life. So hopefully y'all had an opportunity to take advantage of those three very large slideshows on the Ed and Isabel page. If you haven't, you're missing out. Go to the Ed and Isabel page. I have pictures of uh, the different books I read that have touched my life. Of course, the Bible is always number one, always. I didn't even put it on there because it should be known by now. But the book, the Bible, is number one. But then there's other books that have been very instrumental in my life, as well as other authors, uh, quotes, messages, um, messages, movements, gatherings, uh, just lots of stuff, folks. You got to go check it out. That's all there is to it. That's all that there is to it. Anyway. Like I said, we've interviewed 30, uh, we've had about 35 shows, and we've interviewed several people. And it just makes, it it, it just makes sense that Darlene and I be heard, Darlene and I be interviewed. Y'all know what's going on with us, what's going on, what makes us tick, what, what our lives have been about, challenges, as well as victories. And so this will be coming at you this week. Uh, and and and, and uh, like I've also like I've told every single one of y'all that's been on the show, you know, you do the show the way you want to. It's, you're you're the guest. You're the guest. You can design it the way you want. You can go with the questions. You can you could even some of y'all know I even said you can even ask tell us what you want to be asked. So this is how we're gonna do it today. I'm doing a little different, a little different format today, so you won't be bored. So y'all have no clue what's coming at you next. How about that? So you can't be bored today. Anyway. Um, I want to go back to the uh, audio uh, version and play something very, very, um, very um, interesting that I found. And uh, see what y'all think of this. You know, Muhammad Ali died over the uh, late recently, and I just wanted to do a little something to kind of honor him. So y'all gonna hear his big, big mouth in the next three minutes. It's just a little short clip, but this is honoring the one and only Muhammad Ali, his life, his legacy. Of course, this little clip is not going to do it justice, but I just had to do something on this show to honor another person that was very instrumental, influential in my life. I mean, come on, the greatest? Wow. Anyway, here's Muhammad Ali, and we'll be, we'll be right back, folks. I'll be right back. How about that? I don't like fighters who talk too much. Well, Henry Cooper's nothing but a tramp. He's a bum. I'm the world's greatest. He must fall in five rounds, but if you talk about me, I'll cut his three. I'll never fight another fella as tough as Doug Jones, not even that big, ugly, bear Sonny Lister. Is he your next fight? Well, after I annihilate this Henry Cooper, I want that bear. And what's going to happen to him? I want him bad. What's going to happen to him? He might be great, but he'll fall in eight. I'm the prettiest fight in the ring today. That's my label. I'm too fast. Round five. No special training, just be at the fight. I'm ready to back up everything I'm saying, and I'm through talking. Is this, 
The man to beat me hasn't been born yet. Well, I'll tell Henry Coop, if he's watching this show, to come to the fight and be ready to fight because I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to London to get you. And after I'm through beating him, I think he'll have to join the Beatles and be a singer. This will be Buster's last stand. <laughs> Joe Frazier's in trouble. Because the Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier's going to meet is going to be better than the Muhammad Ali he met three years ago. All people watching this interview, I'm seriously trying to get Joe Frazier and George Foreman in one night. And to go down is the greatest fight of all time. Some of them still have doubt. They're making excuses. I want to whoop both of these men in one night, and I'll have a record that nobody can touch. You notice he didn't come to Zaire. He didn't come to Indonesia. He didn't come to Manila. He didn't come to Malaysia because he knows he will get in trouble over here in this country because they don't like people like him over here. And all I got to do is get the word, and we'll bump him off. I'm going to do something to Joe Frazier that might be illegal. My lawyers told me to bring a bail bondsman to get me out of jail. They might put my tail in jail and get me out on bail after what I do to Joe Frazier. I don't, I don't just, I don't think that there's no heavyweight alive who could, who couldn't beat me. I know they're not alive. That's the world thinking I'm fat, but I'm ready. I'm gonna die. That's right. I'm gonna die. That's right. All night long. Frankenstein and Igor. Hallelujah. Igor. Frankenstein and Igor. You tell me to get that. I predict that this will be Buster's last stand. I will do the Buster what the Indians did to Custer. I'm going to wipe him out. And I'm going to prove that I am still the real champion. And I want them all to tune in to watch Buster ling on. You want me to get some gloves on, boy? going to happen when you meet Smokey Joe? And I said, Joe's going to come out smoking, and I ain't going to be joking. I'll be pecking and a-poking, pouring water on his smoking. Then this might shock and amaze you, but I will destroy Joe Frazier. Some people say, you better watch Joe Frazier. He's awful strong. I said, tell him to try band roll-on. That's the Tonight, 
And uh, like I said earlier, uh, our co-host, my favorite cousin, we will not have on tonight, only because uh, a couple of things. One of them is I'm going to have some other guests on, and uh, they'll be friends with the family. And uh, they may know each other, but they may, you know, darling, you may not know them now. And uh, we'll be talking about a lot of things, uh, different experiences, and, and uh, I don't want to put it in an awkward situation. It may be a little boring to her, maybe. I don't know, maybe not. I doubt that darling is pretty classy about that kind of thing. But she really did need a break. She really do need a break. And uh, I need one, too, family. But since we don't have anyone to do the boards, I'll continue as long as I need to. Don't mind it at all. It's, it's really fun, to tell you the truth. It's just work to create, but once you get it done, once you get it going, it's really fun to do these shows. And then not to mention that it's for a very very good cause. We need to come together, family. We need to be less strangers, as the three goals are, to come together, be less strangers. Number two, to network with each other. I mean, excuse me, to inspire each other, encourage each other, build up each other. And once we've done those two things, no more strangers, building up each other, encouraging each other, then we could look at networking on various levels. So these are what the goals are for the show, and uh, it's like the like where the two rules are. Two rules is to be patient with us. Be patient with us. Uh, you know, there's gonna be some growing pains like it is with any relationship, and we may not get your name right. We may not, you know, handle some things like you think we should. Be patient with a family. And be positive. If we do this, we're going to be around a long, long, long time. So anyway, folks, you listen to the Douglas Kennedy Family and Friends Network. We're going to skip the birthdays tonight because, darling, this is her her cup of tea. And uh, well, we do have one announcement I don't want to skip, and that is uh, we got a very important announcement I think we should cover. So we'll do that. Uh, let me just go ahead and do that now. Uh, I want to just make sure the family are aware that the one and only Janice and Lonnie is going to be wishing, um, actually it's Janice, Lonnie, and uh, also her daughter and son, uh, Lonnie Jr., is going to be wishing along with us Miss Emma Jewell and Mr. William V. There are a lot of uh, blessings on their 52nd wedding anniversary. It's kind of funny if we're trying to read this text. But anyway, they sent all the way from California this uh, notice, and I want to make sure we all be a part of it. Uh, 52 years. Emma and William has been together, so congratulations, congratulations on your anniversary, and uh, uh, this is uh, via, like I said, Lonnie and Janice and uh, and the children wishing you, uh, Janice and uh, Lonnie Jr., uh, a happy 52nd uh, wedding anniversary. I think it's neat when you've been married 52 years, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Of course, I couldn't pass that announcement up. Like, normally, darling, we do that kind of thing. But I think I didn't do a bad job. But I really do think it's neat to be have it, to be uh, married 52 years. And I guess you know every thought each other is thinking at that point. Wow, 52 years. Can't get over that one. But anyway, 
congratulations, and we wish you a very happy uh, anniversary on that. And also, I don't want to forget, uh, hold on, just bear with me, people here. I just lost my screen. Uh, but while I'm thinking of that, uh, you know, it's really hard, really, to be around that long. Uh, a lot of people not even living in to see their 50s. But to think that they have been married 52 years is really something. It's really, really something. But also I want to add to that same message that uh, Lonnie and Janice uh, they're they're celebrating their 29th anniversary today as well. That's why they're not going to be able to listen to the show. She just sent me sent the message that she will not be able to listen to the show tonight because they're celebrating their 29th anniversary. So congratulations to them. That is no small feat as well. I mean, anytime you're married past, I don't know, three years these days, your divorce rate is so high, so so high. So. I just think it's just good period to be married that long. Anyway, congratulations to both of those couples. And um, so now y'all know that is what is going on in California. Lonnie and Janice is celebrating their anniversary. But I think William B. and R. Eva, Emma, is on the line. I see a 210 number, so I think they're in the house. And speaking of William B., he will be coming at you a little later on with his weekly financial tip to the family. Also, the one and only Tasha Mahal will be coming your way with her three R's. She'll be coming your way with her three R's, recipes, remedies, and reduced prices. They've been doing really, really good, putting out a lot of good information to the family. And today, tonight, is no difference. No difference. Okay? Well, folks. I want to just go ahead and I'll let y'all know that tonight, again, I'm flying solo, but not really, because there's going to be some other people calling later on. But tonight is going to be, uh, uh, like I said, a show uh, just spotlighting myself. And I guess it's not like I'm going to be interviewing myself. I'm just going to pretty much just just put some questions. I, I guess I am interviewing myself, but I don't look at it like that. I'm just going to be answering some questions that I've always asked some of you guests. Uh, same questions, pretty much. So we'll do that in a little bit. Uh, also, well, I think I'll surprise you with that. But anyway, folks, I wanted to start off by uh, letting y'all know that uh, first and foremost, y'all know that I'm Azalee's grandson, okay? Uh, but many of you don't know about my wife. Her name is Arlene. And uh, uh, we met in Columbus. So we met in, uh, excuse me, in Fort Worth at a, one of the... Uh, believe it's conventions, a religious convention, and I'm also uh, the father of two, really three children. I have Josiah, my son, as well as Lydia. You hear me talk about them all the time, but I do have a stepson, Kenny, and he's still in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and these three uh, uh, individuals have really changed my life in a lot of ways, and, and not to mention Arlene. I mean, these kids, just to be able to raise them in this today's world have really helped me in a lot of ways, I tell you. And not to mention Arlene, uh, keeps me balanced, keeps me focused. Y'all know I can get loud, don't you? Y'all know I can get pretty ad- animated, don't you? Y'all know I can get pretty much <laughs> opinionated. Well, there is a balancer in the house. Arlene has been for years in my corner, fine-tuning me, and I really appreciate her. And maybe she'll call tonight. I've invited her to. But um, take a little sip here. 
this green tea going. It's good stuff. But anyway, I hardly ever talk about my wife. She's really shy. She never calls the phone line, but she's listening to the show a lot. And, and uh, give her two cents every once in a while. She's kind of just let me kind of run with this. She's supported me in a lot of things I do. Not everything, but a lot of things, enough. So hopefully she'll be calling today. Um, but uh, like I said, I have two kids, uh, Josiah and Lydia, and then my stepson, Kenny. And uh, he's in Columbus, Ohio, and we're in the wonderful city of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, many of you don't know this, but I left Fort Worth in 91, moved to Ohio, and uh, uh, after I met Arlene uh, in 80, was it 88? And then 91, I moved up there to be with her. We ended up getting married, having kids, and I moved back here in Fort Worth, 2008. So it's been a minute. Uh, so from Fort Worth to Cincinnati, I mean, excuse me, Fort Worth to Columbus to Cincinnati to back to Fort Worth. So anyway, I want to just kind of move right along since everybody knows who I am. I don't have to go into the whole genealogy. And I just mentioned my wife and children, and I'm always talking about Josiah and Lydia. If y'all haven't, if you remember, so you should know those names. Y'all may never have never heard Kenny, my stepson, but he's uh, definitely uh, a part of the mix in the wonderful town of Columbus, Ohio. So I want to answer this, ask this question, answer this question that I put out there for so many of the guests we've had on the show. And again, this is going to pick up. You'll see in a little bit, and. Uh, and uh, y'all just stay with me because I'm going to be bouncing around here, okay? But I want to, uh, I want to try to answer the question of who am I? I want to answer the question. Hold on a second here. We have a question. We have a hand raised. Hold on one second. You know how our rule is. Whenever we get a question answered, uh, ask anybody press one, we bring them on the phone line. So here we go. Just a little nervous tonight for some reason. Erica, 513. 513-602. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Who am I speaking with? Okay, well, this is Arlene Turner. <laughs> okay, this is Arlene Turner. All right, folks. Well, Miss <laughs> Arlene Turner, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Douglas Kennedy family and friends network and we have a rule where you have to identify yourself but since this is my wife family I'll go ahead and uh, well already I introduce you really they know who you are you're my wife so you no more no more introduction there so how are you doing young lady I'm doing just fine thank you just want to say hello well, I, to everybody well I thank you for uh, taking my offer let me tell you all something about this woman here you can invite her to do a lot of things she might not necessarily do it. <laughs> you can kind of really encourage her to do some things, but she might not necessarily do it. So I really, really, really take this opportunity to thank you, Arlene, for calling the show. It means a lot to me. And, folks, this, this woman and I have been together for a long time, uh, uh, just just being victorious, losing some, winning some, and I'm just so glad she's on the show tonight. So what's on your mind, Miss Arlene Turner? Well, I just wanted to, you know, chime in along with the other people that are going to be uh, sharing tonight and just, you know, just give some insight on you that people may or may not know. You know, they've you've been talking with your family members for months now, so I'm sure they know a lot about you. But just from my perspective, I just wanted to share that uh, 
people, Seth is a man of many, many passions, okay? So you're not dealing with a dull personality here. He's very passionate about many things. First and foremost is God, of course. He's, you know, the head of his life, and he, you know, works on his relationship with God, you know, like we all do. And then his one of his other passions is to study the history and the genealogy of those who I call African Americans, which are people whose ancestors were brought in voluntarily to this country to work it from the inside out. Uh, he's very passionate about digging through the archives and history of that and sharing that information with people. Uh, another passion that he has is travel, and you will see many, many, many pictures of Seth all over the world. He can travel on a whim. He can travel through a planned, uh, to, uh, planned, or he can just pick up and go. He loves, loves, loves to travel and to meet people and see different things and study history all over the world. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to mention that he's passionate about is family connection. He wants to connect everybody in his immediate family and all, you know, the branches all the way out. He loves connecting family and archiving it in some way so that the younger generation can hear from the older generation. Uh, he has archived many videos and photos of people who are no longer with us physically, always, of course, with us spiritually. But, you know, it's nice when your grandkids can still hear your voice after you leave here, you know. So he's very passionate about making sure to record memorable moments so that people, you know, basically last forever. Uh, so those are some of the things that he's passionate about. Uh, his giftings, you know, he loves to study, he loves to talk to people, he actually loves to talk. And, you know, that's kind of funny because most women have to prod, prod, and poke their husbands to get them to talk to them. You don't have to do that with that. He will, he's willing to talk any day, any time, maybe unless he's not feeling well or something, but he is a talker and not just empty talk. He always has something to share, always has something to talk about can talk and is well-versed on many subjects. So there's never a dull moment. There's always something to share with him. So um, did you have any questions, Seth, that you wanted to ask me? <laughs> well, I just wanted, wanted to, to say that was pretty... Well, I wanted <laughs> to say that that was pretty, uh, pretty kind of you to say that and to articulate that. And I was saying, <laughs> Arlene, before you came on the line, can you hear me okay? Yes. I was saying before you came on the line that uh, you're the balancer. Yeah, my wife is very, <laughs> very, very uh, introvert, and I'm, as you know, a little different. And uh, Arlene has, over the years, really helped me. I was probably been more like the spirit of Farrakhan. That's why I like that gentleman. So that's me, really. I mean, I just believe in letting people have it. If you're going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to be... Uh, sinning and mistreating people, you deserve what you get. Kind of how what I'm coming from. But Arlene has been one of those voices over the years that have uh, really seasoned me. She have I'm serious. She have uh, let me know uh, just kind of sharing wisdom of how and when. But then it's been a two way street because I have had to uh, kind of. If you be honest, Arlene, I've had to kind of bring her out of her chill and let her know, no, you can't just take that. That's you can't. True. And she's not a pushover, but you know, it's just a. We just we 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 make a very good couple. 
as far as socially uh, speaking, uh, Arlene has really helped me with what God has put in my heart. She has really helped mm-hmm. me with how to articulate, when to articulate, volumes, uh, eye contact, just, just on a lot of levels that most people don't pay attention to. She has really helped, uh, uh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but she's just really been there for me, and uh, it has made a big difference. Sometimes, family, we think because we tell the truth tell it like it is, that's all we require to. Telling it like it is means you have to tell it in season. It's a timing mm-hmm. to tell it like it is. It may be you might not have, maybe you can't tell it all right now. Maybe you, maybe you, some balance you have to win on your knees. You don't do anything other than hit your knees. That's it. And then sometimes when you're on your knees, you get instructions. And when you get those instructions, you have to go and, and do what the Father's put in your heart. Uh, what he has put in your heart. So Arlene has been one of those persons that just have really helped me on a lot of things. Hey, don't talk about this. Don't mention that. Uh, just don't even bring it up. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can't be passive. And then she'll uh, she'll uh, uh, come back with, with uh, well, just remember I told you later on, I'll, I'll see that she was right. I do want to ask you a question, though, Arlene. I want you to just... Uh, just talk a little bit about how we met, just a little bit. I don't want to get the folks too many details, which I don't mind, <laughs> but just for time's sake, just for time's sake, okay. we'll spare them the details. But just talk about a little bit how we met, why was you at that convention, you know, and, you know, so forth. Okay. Well, actually, I had a friend who was going to attend that convention. and Now, this is when I lived in Columbus, Ohio. I had a friend who wanted to attend a convention in Fort Worth, Texas, and she did not want to go by herself. And so she called me and asked me if I would go with her. And I'm like, well, sure, I've never been to Texas. I'll go with you. And so I went to my first Believers Convention at the Fort Worth Convention Center. And this was back in September of 1988. Marked that date because, of course, that's where I met Seth. We were um, looking for seats, and this uh, young man was kind enough to say, hey, I've got some seats, you know, and he ushered us up very close to the front. We'd never sat that close the whole time we'd been there. And uh, so he saved seats and took us to some nice seats. And then, of course, after um, the uh, convention was over for that day, we uh, did talk a little bit. He uh, showed me some of the sites in downtown Fort Worth, which, you know, were pretty amazing at the time. And, you know, he just shared a lot. He talked about God. He talked about the Bible. And I um, – had only been a Christian for, let's see, three years at that time. So I was still sort of like a, a young toddler, I guess, in the word. And so he was able to expound on many of the scriptures and share things that I hadn't really thought about or, you know, had studied or anything like that. So I was very just taken with his passion about the word and sharing about God's word and, you know, about talking the people, because like he said, I'm more of an introvert, and he's able to share with people, you know, about uh, how God loves them and the purpose and the gospel and all of that, just because he's able to converse that easily. So um, we obviously lived in two different states, and so we did have a long-distance interaction for a while, and, and then things, you know, one thing led to another, and somehow I got him to move to Ohio. <laughs> So, uh, yes, yes, you know, ma'am, yes, history. ma'am, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. And uh, and, and, and I want to ask you another question, Arlene. Do you remember? Hopefully, this is putting you on the spot. I won't you know? You won't 
forget with being nervous. But um, <laughs> do you remember me bringing up my calling to you when I met you? You know, that's one of the things about oh. me, the young lady. I would tell them what I was called to do. So, in other words, listen, lady, this is what I'm about. If you ain't down, keep it moving. Do you remember what I? Yeah. Do you remember me talking? Anything well, you remember I remember you sharing with me. I remember you sharing with me initially about when you initially felt called when you stepped into a pulpit. I believe it was that uh, Pastor Samples. Is this that his name? Church. Right, um, right. That, that minister there. For that pulpit, yeah. And when you felt but like I'm more specifically into... when you said I would like to help you with that. Oh, okay. I know where you're trying to go. <laughs> and the thing was, yeah, you were sharing about just different history. You were sharing about um, the history of African Americans and what we're going through and all of that and the things you've been studying that God had revealed to you because you were going through some things. And, you know, as you began to share with me, I was like, okay, I hadn't heard this before, and I was intrigued and was willing to say I'd help you with that because I wanted to learn more and see what it was about because, like I said, I was barely a babe in Christ and just, you know, was open to to learning, you know, more and more about what God was doing, not only with us individually, but with us collectively as a people, so. I remember. Well, <laughs> yes, and she came on board, and uh, uh, lots of experiences since then. Just you know, Arlene yes. was one of those persons that she welcomed me. This this whole thing, she was one of those persons that felt uncomfortable, even with saying the word white supremacy. You know, yeah. that was something. A lot of some of y'all listening right now, you're the same way. But anyway, just yeah. wanted to just have her on. I invited her to call. I know she. I'm not going to hold her, and just kind of let you know that I'm not as. Uh, Probably strangers, well, some people think. Can I say one more thing about that, though? Okay. Because just because I'm a different personality type, like I said, you know, I'm more of an introvert. Um, you are more of a trumpet, and you are out there, and you're sharing and whatnot. And what God has shared with me about it is something that I use to pray with conviction and to pray specifically about tearing down some areas, you know, that are uh, obstacles for people. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things going on, a lot of things thrown in our pathways. And so I use that as knowledge on how to pray and how to interact with people and deal with the obstacles that are placed before us. So it's not like I'm not doing anything. I am. But like I said, it's more behind the scenes. So I did want to share that. So thanks for having me on. I hope you're having a great time. And, you know, I hope that a lot of people listen to this today and tomorrow and other days so you can find out a little bit more about who is Seth Turner and what's going on with him. So, well, anyway, I appreciate it. Love you, and I thanks again, Love thank you, you again for calling the show. And uh, right. I know you'll be listening to the rest of it. So, family, anyway, that's <laughs> all in. You probably never hear from her again. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. She's in the mix, so she's behind the scenes. She just, you know, trust me, it's a big deal for her to even do this. All right, but thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, folks. Well, that was Arlene. That is my wife, and uh, you, you know, like I say, you might hear from her again. She, because you know we do teachings. We have done teachings together, and uh, believe it or not, as shy she is, if we start talking about the word, it's a whole different Arlene. She'll teach. She sure will. She will teach. As a matter of fact, family, the the five smooth stones. You're gonna hear that name a lot tonight. The five smooth stones. If you can write this down, www.fivesmoothstones.com. I'm sorry, 
please forgive me. If you want to go to this website, which is where we actually do these blogs we're doing right now, this is under the banner of Five Smooth Stones. This blog, the Douglas Kennedy Family Friends Network, is something I pay for every single month. I pay. I literally been paying ever since I've been doing these shows. And I pay for a blog that I no longer do. And instead, we're doing the Douglas Candy Family Friend Network. But the blog that I pay for is Five Smooth Stones. We're just not doing no more of those old shows. We've talked about it. everything under the sun, and that's what I've posted on the Ed and Isabel page. So if you want to know some of the things we talk about on the um, show, you go to the Ed and Isabel page, and you'll see I've done hundreds of shows on various topics. Like Arlene said, no short of topics for me. Okay? Uh, but anyway... Uh, if you go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash the number five underscore smooth underscore stones, you can see and hear Arlene. If you go to the very first three shows, she uh, did some sh- talk with me on uh, the Israelites and, and also the origin of white skin, how we're all really one people. Uh, talk about pigmentation and and Bible leprosy and albinism is deep, deep, deep stuff. Arlene was there swinging with me on that, and uh, she's a lover. We don't believe in hating. We don't uh, align ourselves with any haters. We believe in loving one another and pushing forth the kingdom principles. So just know that Arlene is a... a like I said, she hit me in the middle. But anyway, folks, believe it or not, we got a hand, another hand raised. So I got this rule. When we get a hand raised, we go straight to the phone line. So put a little music on before we do that, though. So here it goes. Eight, five, nine. Eight, five, nine, four, seven, five. Go ahead with your question or your comment. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Seth. John Clark, how are you doing? Hey, Mr. John Clark. What is going on? How are you doing, sir? All was well. I thought I would skip in and say what's up. Um, I've been on this show once before. I can't even remember. It's been a couple of years. I'm kind of intrigued with the whole concept of it. Um, and I wonder why more people don't do that. It's funny because I think people probably, even within your family, take it for granted because that's what we all do while we're all mortal and living. Um, right. But... Right, and, yeah, and, you, and I, you're I, right. I, I, Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, call in and say, hey, hey to the fam. Um, say what's up and, to you and Arlene. And, um, and, and let me let me do this because let me do this, John, because I, I normally we have family members calling, but this is a show for our family and friends. So, y'all, you'll be the first friend that I think of. I think maybe you're the first friend that ever called the show. Uh, because the last time was a Bible study. Y'all remember the Bible study I did on this show a long time ago? This is the same John Clark who was in Kentucky. Uh, so uh, he called all the way from Kentucky uh, back on that show, and he was with us the, for the whole night uh, expounding on various truths. Well, this is that same John Clark. But anyway, uh, John, welcome to the family. Welcome to the show. And John is a, a old friend of mine. I'm going to let him talk about that. So, John, go ahead and just, uh, again, thank you. I did invite him to call, and he took up the invitation. I appreciate that, John. Just go ahead and uh, speak what's on your heart. Well, not much on my heart aside from the fact that, um, to you know, persons, 
we I've known you for so long that I always just call it twenty plus years, and I refuse to do the actual math. <laughs> but um, when I hear Arlene, because I didn't meet Arlene actually face to face until about a month ago when I came down to Dallas for an interview. Um, but you're right <laughs> when you were saying like Arlene balances you. <laughs> she sure does. She does. Because she sure does. It's like um, the bit of conversation that I've had with Arlene, it's like she's a very calm, uh, collected uh, type of approach uh, type of person. And it's not that you're not. The funny thing is, is that you're very cerebral yourself. Um, there's only a few persons who um, I can really hold in high esteem as far as their ability, working knowledge of the Bible. And and just so that the family knows, again, that's kind of how I met Seth. I was a student at Oral Roberts University, and I had a friend named Gary Ellison, now Elishua Israel, and he told us about this friend that he had named Seth and that his friend was coming into town and to come over to the house. And uh, we came over to the house, and we pretty much started having Bible study like every Friday or so. Seth was flying in <laughs> just, just to school us. Uh, we were like 19, 20 years old at the time. And um, we, learned a, we learned a lot. And um, I had probably only been a man of God for maybe two years or three years or so at the time. And, you know, it was exciting to get the revelation that Seth was expounding upon at the time, but now when I look back on it, I'm just amazed at how much it has uh, really come into fruition over these years. As a matter of fact, Seth, you, if you can recall, at the time that you were talking to us about who Israel was, along with other things, there wasn't a whole lot of scriptures that we had at the time. And now it's almost like the scriptures have presented themselves and they are there's a litany of scriptures now that give oh, yeah. insight to that particular subject. Before, you know, we really didn't have a whole lot. Uh, you know, it is what it is, but um, there's so much more to be had now. And, um, and you know, I want I want to interject just really quick, John. Uh, and uh, folks, again, you listen to Douglas County Family Friends Network, and this is uh, Seth, uh, grandson of Azalee, and uh, tonight I'm flying solo. We don't have Darlene tonight. Uh, gave you know, I asked her, asked her if she didn't mind take off, and she uh, didn't. Uh, she didn't mind taking off for tonight. And I know I have uh, quite a few people calling, and uh, we'll be jumping around. And I thought that that might be, you know, uh, I do want to. With too many strangers on the phone, so I thought it'd be a good idea for her to take a break. Can't always take a break because we need darling for so many things. And so, just wanted y'all to know for those y'all popping in, I see some California numbers. I don't want y'all to worry, darling. So anyway, she's taking a break tonight. Wish I could take one. Wish to make, wish very soon I could, but that's unfortunate because we don't have anybody to work the boards. But. Anyway, our cousin is taking off tonight, so no birthday shout outs anything like that. And we're just going, we're just hitting, hitting, it, hitting the spotlight of myself. And I've invited some friends to help me do just that. You got John Clark on the line. And uh, John, go right ahead. I just had to just kind of go there. But I want to say uh, something to what you was just saying. We didn't have a lot of scriptures, John, because sometimes uh, 
we just believe what we saw. We believe in the scriptures we saw. It, you know, <laughs> what's more clear than Deuteronomy 28? I mean, bam, that's right. clear. You, you don't really need much scriptures. You know, uh, Moses up on the mountain is telling everybody what's going to happen to them, to, to the real Jews that they obey, and what happened if they disobey. And he started going through all these curses. We looked around as young people. You was in school, you, young students in college. I was not in college, but I was yet in college. You know, the college of life, the college of Bible studies. And I began to see this revelation, and I, and I, and I, I'm the one who challenged the whole planet. I'll seven challenge seven. I'll challenge seven billion people that if I believe the scriptures say something, I just will just believe it because I've learned that's how we was raised. You know, you 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 go with what what you see, what you know, what you feel in your spirit. Not according to what I was looking at. Moses was saying what happened to the Israelites, John. I say no, we gotta be those people. We gotta be those people. But it got even more clear in 1991 when I moved to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I I ran upon the scripture, the uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, where it says, uh, "These will be upon Israel forever." Verse 46 says, "These things are going to be upon Israel forever." When I saw the word "forever," and knew that 1991 wasn't the end of forever, so that means wherever the Jews are, they're going through these blessings or these curses. I knew it was Israel, and at that point, I didn't need nobody to tell me nothing. So. When I was talking to y'all at those Bible studies, and like John say, I would fly to Tulsa. I literally would fly to Tulsa weekly to do these Bible studies. And I'm gonna let you go ahead and finish with that, John. But uh, yeah, you don't have to have a lot of scriptures once you really believe in the Spirit that's inside of you. But go ahead. Yeah. John? Um, yeah. Put that was uh. Yeah. Can you hear me? You're breaking up just a little, Set. just a little. So I might want to go near a window, just a little bit. Okay. How's that? Uh, keep talking. Okay, hold on. Let me close out. Okay, how does that sound? You sound great. Okay, go right ahead. All right. Well, yeah, simply put, that's what I meant, Seth. Um, and, again, I met Arlene about uh, a month and a half ago, and it, it's, um, it's it's amazing to watch them interact one with another because it's, 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 it's not as though um, Seth is uh, reckless abandoned because he's not. He's very knowledgeable about the things that he speaks about. It's just that some things, in Arlene's opinion, are better left unsaid. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good analogy. That's right. But, um, she helped me with that. She got a she got a saying. Arlene got a saying where she say, "Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Okay. You just can't go in here and straighten out everything. You will lose your job." Folks, let me tell you something. John hit a hit a chord. Then John, do not lose that train of thought. Uh, uh, but check this out. Arlene says. She's got this thing where she said, pick your battles. My belief is if you see injustices, don't let people run over you. You go to them, like the Bible say, you know, in the spirit of love, say, hey, brother, you know, uh, I, you know, you, you you shouldn't do this. Or So I had this thing where I would not let nobody do anything to me any kind of way. If I went into a restaurant, somebody didn't give me the proper service, mistreated my family, 
then I'm going to dispute the payment later. They don't get a dime out of me. I mean, so, you know, that affected my credit, you know. Well, with that mentality affecting my credit even. I just didn't take nothing off nobody. And I just was like that in the world, and I was like that in the, in, in the church. I just feel like just because you're Christian, let people make no uh, battle of you. Well, I ain't got this philosophy where she said you have to pick your battles. Some battles can cost you your job. And so I was like, you know, I, I have to look in the mirror and have pride. And so, John, what I would do, I would stand up for myself on every single thing. Now, I'm not talking about little baby issues now. Come on now, somebody don't speak to me or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about blatant things. You know, you looked over for a race and you qualified. I would go in and ask why. You know, uh, you know, somebody called you out of your name. I would check them. You know, uh, somebody... Uh, giving you more work than the next person. I would check them. You know, somebody, you know, I just would, and so her thing was, you know, Seth, because there, there was one point when we first met John, I was losing lots of jobs, lots of jobs, good jobs. I mean, I had some good jobs. People have to say, how do you get, how do you get on there? How do you work there? I mean, it's Fortune 500 companies, really nice jobs, respectable jobs. Most of the time in the office, you know, and doing mortgage companies. I worked for mortgage before, John. I think I tell you, banks, you know, nice, uh, nice jobs. Uh, Fidelity, I worked Fidelity before I went to airlines. So anyway, I was losing those jobs, a lot of those jobs, because I was speaking up. Now, people would respect me, John, and say, man, you know, I sure wish I had the backbone you had when I'm going out the door. <laughs> so after a while, this stuff started affecting your family. And so I started saying, you know what, Arlene is right. You know, you better just pick this battle over that battle and, and stay on your job. So it's unfortunate you have to do that. And uh, a lot of young people call that. You got some names for it. But go ahead, John. Well, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. I was just um, appreciative of you and Arlene as a couple because I only knew you at first. And, and I remember Arlene from some of the Sabbath studies and blog talk radio shows from several years ago, but um, it was pleasant to finally put a face to the to the voice, um, and I also have to kind of chuckle at how Christians, quote unquote, they they never tell one another anything, they always share, <laughs> they always share something with, with somebody, <laughs> so when Arlene was explaining when Arlie was explaining how y'all met and how you would share with him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I didn't get out of that. People, yeah, they uh, use that word share a lot. We can't we can't wear that one out. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, um, I, I appreciate the invite, Seth. Um, I wish uh, success to you and your family. Um, I appreciate the um, consideration that you all have extended towards me um, as your friend. <laughs> and, um, you know, for all the people who are family members of, of Seth, uh, know that you absolutely have a, a trumpeteer, as Arlene called him. Um, I'm sure many a family wish that they had uh, somebody who could carry the torch in such a regal way. Um but, yeah, you're my brother, Seth, and I'll, I'll get up with you around the way. All right, my brother. Appreciate you calling the show. Really appreciate it. 
Okay, folks. Well, that was our friend, uh, John Clark. Many of you know him from the Bible study. did a really good job. Y'all got to go back and listen to that old show, Douglas Cannon Family Friends Network. John, I, and some other friends did a very nice Bible study. Check it out. Check it out. Well, listen, we got another hand raised, uh, but I'm going to do something because I want to I wanna play. Uh, I want to get, I have a time. I got everything on a time. So, Carl, I know who you are. So this is a friend of mine. That's the only reason why I'm doing this, because normally we open the phone lines right away. So I'm going to ask the hands, anybody hands up at this point, just kind of hold off till we do our um, program that we have scheduled, and we'll be back. It should take about, oh, uh, this is going to be William B. Y'all know William B., right? Uh, he's going to be talking about financial matters. William B. going to come on talking about financial matters, and then later on we have Tasha coming on talking about the three R's, recipes, remedies, and reduce prices, okay? But at this time, I just got to hear from William and see what he has to say about, um, wait a minute, where is, uh, okay, bear with me, folks. Bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. Having a little trouble with my computer here. I tell you, hold on, folks. Well, let's do this. Since I'm having a little trouble with the phone, I'm going to go ahead and just open up the phone last for time's sake. While I'm typing, I can. Let's do this. Eric Code 513, Cincinnati. Uh, 418, go ahead with your question or your comment. Hey, uh, Brother Seth, this is uh, Reverend Dr. John Johnson Pandy. From, uh, well, hey, Reverend Ohio. John Justin Pandy. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, doing good. Thank you for uh, uh, giving me the invite. I was able to see it and uh, call that number, so good to uh, connect with you and your uh, audience. Well, listen, I appreciate you accepting the invite, and uh, like I uh, mentioned to you, this is just a show where we have this thing, uh, Rev. Pandy, where we uh, interview family members. We have this family blog called the Douglas County Family Friends Network, and we just interview family members. We've had probably about 35 shows now. Uh, this is the second go-round. We used to have to uh, did the same thing before, uh, but this is with the larger part of the family. So we welcome you to the show. We welcome you to the show. Now, folks, just in case, again, we normally have family calling, and family at this point, Reverend Pandy, will say how they're related to me, how they're related to us. Well, since you're a friend, and this is the Douglas Kennedy family and friends, we've got a lot of friends calling tonight, and hopefully we will have more in the future. Reverend Pandy, um, I just want to give a little intro to you since people don't know who you are, just like with John uh, Clark earlier. This gentleman is the guy that I have been around the world with, some of the places. We ain't been everywhere, but we've been a lot of places. Right, Brother Pandy? Yes. yes. We, we've had the opportunity, family, to go to places like Guam. Uh, help me out, Reverend Pandy. Call something out. Uh, uh, Corns, Australia. What was that? Japan, Australia, Papua New Guinea, uh, Micronesia, uh, Hawaii. Uh, yes. <laughs> Israel, Israel. Uh, so oh, this yeah, man, Israel. Been, we, we went back oh, and forth yeah. out of Japan like it was doggone me uh, Houston, Texas hub or something, like American have the hub, Houston. We've been out of Guam, you know, just all over the planet. People say, well, who are you traveling with? Who are you traveling with? Well, go to the Ed and Isabel page, and you will see a picture of John Pandy and his beautiful daughters. 
these honor students uh, that uh, I was able to, with the help of the Most High and then with the help of Reverend Pandy, we brought his children from Papua New Guinea, and uh, they went into the school system in America and just blew it up. That Hudson, his son, <laughs> I never thought Reverend Pandy in a thousand years that your kids, as smart as they look, and they look, they already look smart and intelligent, but to go into Cincinnati schools and did what they did, that was amazing. But they treasured, and you can talk a little bit about this. We're just talking family. Again, it's about Seth, what he's up to, what he like, what he like to do, who he is. Well, this gentleman is a part of my life. He's my traveling buddy, my international traveling buddy. Now, he been to all kind of countries. So <laughs> one of these days I'll be able to, to be able to say that. Brother Payne, how many countries you been to? Out of curiosity, now I'm just talking to you here. Um, uh, the, I think I've been all over the world except um, South America and Africa, but I traveled to uh, Egypt and then went over to uh, uh, Dubai, uh, Saudi Arabia, and then to uh, Pakistan. Mm, mm-mm. Yeah, I haven't hit that Muslim country. But listen, family, again, this is Seth just sharing with you some of the people in his life, some of the people that have inspired him, encouraged him. We'll be talking a lot about it. It's just a few of my friends that are calling and just kind of just just sharing with the family some things. But this man is a man of God, folks. This man has been all over the world holding these big crusades like y'all seen. If all you got to do is go to the Instagram page. I posted some pictures. But more importantly, he's got children and family. Because sometimes ministers get caught up into uh, other things outside of uh, sharing, um, outside of taking care of their family. And this is a family man. Y'all have got to see his children and what they've done in the little short stay. I mean, you ever wonder what would happen if... You know, uh, they came from Papua New Guinea. I don't want to talk too much about the children, but uh, I have to say, man, Reverend Panda, what are you doing to get, get to have those? All these kids, if I remember, were honored kids. I mean, we talking about some people come from the United States, new to the United States, going to the Cincinnati school system. Where they was at was predominantly white area in uh, the little uh, well-to-do area of Cincinnati. Went to those schools where did some very smart people, whites and others. And the the Pandys went in there and really those kids were so smart. Just just since I got you on the line and I happen to think of that, I'm just being a little selfish here. In about two minutes, what did you do? I mean, I never saw them droop, never saw one of their pants down, never saw them uh, all these gang signs. What did you do? Well, we just um just uh try and be a good parent, you know. It's it's uh it's everyday job, you don't stop, you know, you just keep working at it, uh uh, you know, and that's what we did. Uh, and our last uh, born son, he he he's, uh, he wants to be a, do- a, a medical doctor, and he's now studying in California. Uh, and he plans on going to Stanford, and uh, so he got what college, what, 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 what college in California? Uh, well, right now he's going to San, uh, San Jose uh, uh, State University, but uh, in two mm. years he's going into Stanford Stanford University. Mm. Mm-hmm. Y'all gotta meet him. Uh, y'all gotta meet him. They, I just, I just really love his children, and um, it was just so fun bringing them all the way and getting on those planes. And I remember when we got stuck in in Hawaii. Why? Right. <laughs> we, we was there for like a week. Hawaii was not pleasant to us. 
But you know, uh, folks, this this uh, I said I said to your listeners, man, uh, you have a great guy here. Seth Turner is one of the uh, great uh, people that um, you know uh, is willing to help people, and uh, that's what he did. You know, he sacrificed his time, and he was able to go back and forth, back and forth. And man, God bless you and all that you do, and now you're doing on air. Uh, uh, this is uh, this is good to see. Uh, uh, you're a positive person, and you're doing something good to empower people in this nation. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, we we try, Rob Pandy. Well, listen, I know you're busy. I know you're busy, man. I'm even shocked you called the show because I know this this man here just stay busy. You're gonna have to we have to make time out for each other a little bit more. But he's always in the air, always somewhere, doing what I love doing the most: traveling and learning and sharing. And uh, uh, reaching people for Christ. This is what this man do. He's the real deal. This is the real deal. You're talking about the Crusades, this man will know about them. But uh, anyway, I'm not going to hold you like I promised. Um, thank you for calling the show. Tell Maggie and the kids I said hello, and we shall be together again soon, one day. Yes, well, thank you, you two, and Arlene and the kids. And uh, if you're listening, uh, if any of them would like to, Travel on some of those trips we're doing. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, traveling to a few countries uh, this year. I'm going to Nicaragua and then to Australia and uh, Papua New Guinea in uh, October. Uh, the wow. Fiji Islands. The Fiji Islands. Wow. The Fiji Islands. And then, uh, so, you know, if any anybody, uh, you know, has vacation time and they want to travel, just tell them to contact me, man. Uh, or you well, you know what, you man? You can. Uh, by now, you should have racked up a lot of what they call freaking fly miles, and maybe I'll be entitled to a trip or something. You know, I don't know, man. Now I'm just joking. Return <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the favor, you know. But no. But listen, Rem Payne, thank you for calling uh, the Douglas County Family Friends Network. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will be talking to you uh, later. All right. Okay. Shalom, everybody. God bless. Well, shalom to you, my brother. And that's another brother that pastor that believed that African Americans are one of the lost tribes of Israel. This man is a serious Bible thumpy. He's not. He's no joke. He believe in living this thing. That's one of those persons that believe in living this thing. Well, I talked about. I finally found the clip uh, here. My computer was a little bit slow, but. Uh, let's go ahead and bring on William B. with his financial tips of the week, family. After that, I'm going to start with um, uh, sharing more things about me, and then we'll uh, do the, the one and only Tasha after after that, and we'll just finish up. Like We'll be right back. Good evening, family. Uh, William B. here. Uh, pardon me if I deviate from my normal. Oh, that's the last week's show. I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Let's do it the proper way. Here's William B. And we'll be right back, folks. Good evening, uh, family. 
My name is William B. Johnson, and uh, I'm part of the family by virtue of marrying Mr. and Mrs. Ennis Douglas of Milano, Texas, youngest daughter, Emma Jewell, in 1964. Matter of fact, it was June 6th. That's tomorrow, isn't it? We got married standing outside on the porch in the afternoon of June 6, 1964. But I'm here to share with you some uh, financial tips. Uh, some of us will be traveling this summer by automobile, that is. And if you're traveling by automobile, a couple of tips to keep in mind that the Johnson certainly used to use as we travel with the family by car. Get a tune-up for your automobile. You know, don't just gas it up and jump into it and take off. Get it tuned up by virtue of, uh, as a result of doing that, you'll find that the car will uh, serve you much, much better uh, as a result of getting it tuned up. Get the oil changed. Get the tires checked. Uh, if you're airing the tires are uh, just right, uh, as the uh, handbook would recommend, you'll get better better gas mileage. So we always want to stretch that gas mileage far as we can. Now, if you rent a car uh, to take your summer trip in, and of course, June, July, and August are considered summer months. Summer's on the way. If you rent a car, uh, try to avoid airports and outposts to rent a car from. The best situation to rent a car is uh, some of the uh, inner city kind of places or maybe online and uh, get a small car if it'll handle your your family size. There's no need to have a huge Oldsmobile to travel around the road if you can get by with uh, with a Hyundai or something else. It just makes good sense if you're money conscious the way uh, I believe it's uh, important to be. Also, stock up before hitting the road. You know how we used to do it way back when. You know, we'd stock up, go by Sam's Club or Costco, Costco's or someplace and uh, pick up a bite to eat, some food to carry with you. Uh, you can save fuel that way, perhaps. And, uh, you know, you can get uh, food items, yogurt, cheese, get your ice chest filled and what have you, and uh, take a trip and enjoy yourselves while you won't have to stop for eating in the expensive restaurants along the way. Okay, and nowadays, of course, we can use a mobile app uh, as we move through various parts of the country to determine gas prices. So those of you who are Internet savvy uh, can certainly utilize various apps to determine if it's worth your while, where to go, and what to do to save on gasoline. If you're going to use a hotel along the way, call and uh, book the hotel directly as opposed to indirect. It's okay to go to Hotwire or Expedia someplace, but once you determine what the price uh, would probably be according to them, call the hotel directly and see if you can get the best price for yourself uh, and the family. When you arrive at your destination, be it San Antonio or wherever, we love tourists, San Antonio, Texas, by the way, get a city pass, a coupon book or something. There's various places around this city where you can pick up city passes and such and have a grand time for less money simply by being thoughtful and picking up entertainment books and that sort of thing and, uh, you know, to enjoy yourself here or wherever. Also, it's always fun to start a savings plan in planning for your trip. My son and his family went to Disney World in Florida not too long ago, and it was the most fun that I've seen them have, just simply saving and anticipating that trip. My little grandson and all of them were putting money into the jar, 
And uh, they, that was a family project which worked very, very, very well. So I'm hoping you will enjoy the summer. Uh, and uh, if you do, try to enjoy it at the least cost you possibly can. Uh, have a good rest of the week, and uh, take care. William B. here. Good evening. if I have the rights to copies of lab results that were done on me. Well, assuming that those um, labs are part of your overall medical record, yes, you do. As a result of the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, you do have the right to get copies of all of your medical records. Your doctor's office may charge you a small fee to make those copies, but they shouldn't charge you an access fee. The only time where you most likely will not get a copy of a record is if it's a psychiatrist record or a, um, a therapist record. Those types of records are uh, by law not required to be, um, to be copied and given back to you. But I think the best way to handle this is before you have any particular lab test or diagnostic test done, you should have a conversation with your doctor's office so that you can um, talk about the best way that they can get those records or those copies to you. And with more and more providers going to electronic medical records, it may be easier over time to get copies of those records. So overall, yes, you do have rights to the copies of your lab results, but I would suggest before you have testing done, you have a conversation with your doctor's office.
They have molded me into. I'm sure uh, they have influenced my um, my life probably more than anybody. Okay, so I don't always give them enough credit, but they have influenced my life probably more than anybody. Okay, but let's talk about who is Seth Turner. Okay, who is Seth Turner? I asked that question to many of you on the show. Who are you? Who would you say you are? Well, I'm going to break myself up into three three pieces, if I may. The past Seth, the present Seth, and the future Seth. Okay, if you want to know me, you will listen. Okay, if you want to know who I am, here we go. As far as my past, I'm going to share some things with you, but I must give a disclaimer. None of us really know who we are like the Father know who we are. Okay, when you ask somebody, well, who are you? They're only telling you what they understand about themselves, but there's many times that I shock myself at what I do, what I say, as if I'm some stranger to myself. And I know you have done the same thing. You thought you would act this way in that situation. You thought you would be at this place in your life, or you thought you would, uh, uh, you know, we are every day surprising even ourselves by our own behaviors. That is the truth. So do you really understand each other, yourself? Do you really understand yourself? Truth of the matter is, we do to some degree. So I'd be lying if I'd say I understand myself and just start talking about the past and everything about me. There's all types of potential and things I could have done and should have done. So let's just do it like this and just say this. My past having started in humble beginnings of the Butler Projects. And uh, there's actually a picture on the Ed Isabel page of that, the Butler Projects. I did include that on one of the slideshows. You know, my mother uh, was a single parent. Uh, uh, I don't know what that means when you hear the word single parent because single parents back then and single parents today are a little different, especially if you have a village. And we had a village, although we was in a, a low-income environment. But Mama managed to make a decision to not work because she knew what would happen if she went to work. And and even though she had those kids to take care of, she knew what would happen to her kids, the kind of environment we lived in, if she went to work. She tried that for a while and saw what was happening to her kids, and she made the decision to go on welfare, which I think was a very good decision. I know it's very controversial. A lot of you may not like it, don't believe in it. But if you don't have a man, this, to me, is not a bad option if there is a male present, especially when you have six children. So she made a decision to be at our schools daily, to welcome us home when we got off those buses daily, to deal with us, deal with bus drivers that drops us off, deal with our teachers, know what's going on, and, uh, and uh, oversee us getting homework, oversee who we were hanging out with. Mama was in our stuff. Well, that produced a certain kind of set, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. So what Mama did is, Mama not only opted to go on welfare and and, and uh, just just let the church, which was our village, really. We didn't too much. We was in the projects, but we was not of the projects, if you know what I mean. Mama had high standards, and I'm not saying everything in the projects is bad because there were some people that uh, live like we live. And uh, I can think of some of the... Uh, we've had people from state champions living the project, state champions, spelling bee, uh, living the projects to all type of skill kids, young people. So, again, a different day, folks. So, Mom made a decision to put us in church. And, folks, I want you to really listen tonight because you're going to see I'm building something. I'm building something. Uh, so, every little, I'm just like a little step. We're going to take our time and just build this nice little image of this person, Seth. So mama 
Patterson Church, we went every day. And I immediately started asking questions right away to the ministers, you know, from who made God to, you know, why do we do this, why do we do that, and, you know, what about hell, you know, just questions. And oftentimes those questions would land me in very negative situations, like this person, they don't want to obey, uh, they're, they're questioning God, or, you know, the questions just didn't go well as a young person with me. So I've learned and had this inquisitive knowledge for a long, long time. So uh, later on, as I grew up, I uh, started studying the Bible for myself. I gave my life to the Lord. I probably at 9 or 10 years old, you know, those little altar calls they have in the Pentecostal church where you go down every week and give your life to the Father. So uh, that grew up into learning the books of the Bible, you know, I mean, all of them when I was like 12, and then learning that we did the little Bible drills, the little uh, the little Bible drills where you try to find scriptures really fast. So I was really good at finding stuff in the scriptures fast. All of our brothers and sisters probably could turn to something in seconds, no matter what book of the Bible it is. We just learned at a very young age, quoting chapters, not verses, verses of course, but chapters at a very young age. That don't mean anything because you're doing all this. You can do all this and not have be not be close to the Father at all. I want to say that because I don't want to come out tonight as holier than thou. My mother has been highly spoken of on this blog, and I don't want to come off as holier than thou tonight as I'm sharing. I'm going to be talking a little fast. This is another reason I want to uh, ask Darlene to, to to kind of excuse this night because I know we're going to be going 100 miles an hour and I don't want to make her put in an uncomfortable situation. Not to mention that Darlene needed a break, just like I do. But I'm enjoying it. We'll just we'll just go until I run out of energy. But anyway, family, just I just continue to. Uh, well, well, let me back up here. I finish what I was saying. I don't want my presentation tonight to mean anything. Holiness people, which is kind of the way I grew up, have this tendency to come off as though they're more spiritual than anyone else. They know more than anything else, and uh, uh, they have a tendency to put down other denominations. I've seen it all my life in the churches I grew up in. So I don't want to ever come off as holy than thou, know it all, or none of that. I'm just confident in what I believe. I could be dead wrong though. Let me say it again. I'm very confident in what I believe, but I have been confident in the past and have been dead wrong. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. So just because you're confident and you're speaking loud and you're clear and with clarity don't mean you can be in error. So just know that, okay, when I speak tonight. But I'm just sharing with you a little bit about who I am so you know your cousin, know your host, know some of the, the, the really things that drive me. You heard Arlene talk, you heard Reverend Pandy talking, you heard John Clark talk about me tonight. So here's me talking about myself to where we can know what, what you're dealing with, all right, what we're dealing with, okay? All right, because I do have some plans, some goals for this show, and it'd be nice to know what my ulterior motive is or what my heart is, and that's just what we're trying to do tonight, okay? So right now I'm talking about who am I. So the past... That was my past, growing up in church, asking questions, not sometimes getting answers, being kind of treated like, you know, you ask too many questions type of thing, and that kind of brought me into the person I am today. So moving right along, as I began to grow up, uh, uh, I began to, I gave my life to the father in elementary and in high school. It was a challenge, and so I, I, I ventured away from the father because it's very hard to live for him. And 
later on, I started doing really bad in high school. Ended up turning my life around. I'm kind of going fast so we can get to the meat of uh, where all this is headed. But in my senior uh, year, I gave my life to the Father. Uh, we used to dance, and I think God allowed me to dance uh, uh, in around the city, around Texas, as a distraction to getting girls pregnant, being on the streets, uh, hanging out with the wrong company. He allowed me to really see something in locking, breakdancing, kind of, actually it's locking more like. So we were really good. We went all over. We was winning. We was beating our colleges, and that needed to happen to keep my mind because mama was praying for me all along for me and Mars that we would come to to know the father and so she was always praying for us to come into a saving knowledge of who the, who the father was so I believe that the father used dancing as an obstacle eventually it ran out and in my senior year I gave my life to the Lord and things changed like quickly I mean really quickly November of 1978 I'm in the doctor's I mean, I'm in the uh, principal's office getting paddle November of 1979 I'm sitting on the board on a board a city board for the city of Fort Worth called the employment commission with my assistant principal that paddled me a year before I ran for office we're talking about at 19 years old I literally ran for office. It was a small office called the Neighborhood Resource Development Plan where you oversee like $100,000. But my mindset changed immediately once I graduated. My first job was working at the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, in uh, accounts payable. I went from being a knucklehead to, to getting involved with politics and getting involved with uh, the, the uh, campaign of Martha Sharp, who ran for office in, in uh, city council. Martha Byers also ran for council. So these, I just made a complete change thanks to the prayers of my mother. That's why I believe in those prayers. I know that was the only thing because, I mean, I dropped all my friends, and you just don't normally do that. So I'm building up to something, folks. You'll see where I'm going if you just stay with me. I'm building something. I'm building something. Remember that I'm building something. So, again, very inquisitive about who we are, the Bible, God. I mean, I believe, I receive, but I still have all these questions, lots of questions that ministers a lot of times couldn't answer. So, and I forgot to mention something very important. When I was a youngster in those churches that Mama had us going to every day as a child, three separate times ministers brought me in to the front and said that God was going to use me as a minister of the gospel, and I would hate that. I would really, that's one of the things I hated about going to church is hoping they don't call me up there again. I want them to call all the kids up there. Don't just call me up there. I don't want to stand out. And so my brothers and sisters, I'm sure they remember this, three separate times I was called. It was a few other young people that was done the same way, but it wasn't many, maybe two or three others. And I used to hate that because ministers to me are very powerful. And even as a young person, probably about 13 years old, I knew this, and I uh, I didn't want no part. And actually, I wasn't that old when I realized that I was probably not a lot younger, but I just always knew, family, that to be a minister, you're responsible for other people's spirit. You're responsible for other people's salvation. You know, you can give a person a bad word, and they can go and, and start a church, or they can go and not start a church. You can just tell them they're a layman, and they, you can be as a pastor, say somebody's called to the ministry, and they're not. You can say they are not called to the ministry, and they are. You can give a word to marry somebody. And they go marry. You can just screw up a lot of people's lives as a minister, not hearing from the word, 
not hearing from the Father. And you can also enhance people's life by hearing from the Father. So I didn't want no part of being no minister. Let's get that straight right now, okay? So just know, for many years in my young life and my uh, school life and high school life, that was the last thing on my plate because there's too much responsibility that comes with being a minister of the gospel. So remember I said that. So moving right along, uh, uh, I uh, eventually uh, uh, was doing really good. I was majoring in accounting, and I was uh, really on my way to being an accountant, except I worked at FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, and then I uh, switched from accounts payable to payroll, and I began to see the salary of a lot of people that made really good money for the government as an accountant, the very thing I was wanting to be. Now, watch what happened, family. It changed me. It, it poisoned me towards being an accountant. Make the long story short, I got called not too much longer after that. And uh, it was pretty dramatic. I don't want to go into the details, but just just you have to, if you really want to know those details, you can go to the Blog Talk Radio and uh, go to the uh, uh, Blog Talk Radio slash five underscore smooth underscore stone. That's Blog Talk Radio slash five, the number five underscore smooth underscore stone five smooth stones and just go down to uh it's 200 episodes over 200 episodes but just move all the way down where it talks about my life and you heard the details and i can't go into tonight but anyway i was called to the ministry but i never knew what i was called for i just knew that i had all these questions and so uh 1988 when i met uh arlene is when some things began to be clear. Not because of Arling, it just happened to be that particular year I was praying about some things. And again, you listen to the Douglas Kennedy Family Friends Network. I'm Seth, just going over who I am, family, uh, just talking about, you know, past, present, future, Seth, what's happening with me, what happened to me, and so forth. So anyway, I'm talking about the calling right now. We're talking about the calling. Who am I? Because the reason I'm going down this road, and it's because you're going to see while I... What Five Smooth Stones is all about, the traveling is all about, uh, and a lot of other things would make sense. But I have to talk about this uh, 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 this whole thing with the uh, ministry. So anyway, family, I began to ask the Father five questions. Let's hear a bit. Five questions. Did you have these same five questions? I did. Here's the five questions I asked in 1988. Uh, and the five questions are these. At the time, Kenneth Copeland, who is from Texas, along with a lot of other ministers, have been saying that God was getting ready to use the black man like never before. And the last is going to be first, and the first is going to be last. This is what was being said about uh, what God is doing with black people. Actually, a white man named Kenneth Copeland was saying that God is getting ready to use the black man more so than the white man. And I thought, to be honest, it sounded racist. So I began to pray about that because I don't want to be part of racism. I was going to a mixed church, and uh, I just it just didn't sit right with me that God would use someone because they was black. It, uh, it just didn't, it still don't sound right. So I prayed about that. Father, what's with all of these white ministers and others saying that you're going to use the black man? So what happens if a white man seek you? You're not going to use him because he got white skin? What is with this? It sounds a little racist to me. That was one question I asked the father. Another question I asked the father was, "What's up with uh, 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 what's going on? 
I keep hearing something more than what we're seeing on the news, Father. I keep hearing people say that there's wars planned 30 years in advance. I keep hearing about something called Illuminati. What is that? Is that real? Is this stuff real? I mean, I, I just got the feeling, family, because I kept hearing different things like some of you are doing, even for me and listen to this show. You're hearing things that you never heard before, and I was saying, what's with that? Is there, is there some truth to the Illuminati? Uh, one world government, I hear that there are secret societies, I hear that uh, everything is controlled, you know, Father, what's going on? I asked that question, remember, that's the second question, okay? Then I asked him another question. The other question was, I want to understand the book of Revelation. I, I suspect that there's a lot of racism going in the church, and I don't feel comfortable with white ministers telling uh, us about our history. I don't feel comfortable, Father. Is there something going on that they're not telling us on the news? I'm putting a little music in the background here. Folks, listen. <laughs> That's the question number three. Then another question I have for the Father is, can I see the world? I asked that question in 1988. Can I see the world? I wasn't born to be, I, I didn't ask to be born in the United States. I didn't ask to be born in the United States. I'm not hearing everything. I don't trust what I'm hearing. I don't trust ABC, CBS. I don't trust these affiliates to tell me what's going on. I, I just feel like something I'm missing listening to these news networks. I'm, I'm being spoon-fed something that's not real. I just, Father, can I see the world? Can I travel? Can I hear another perspective, perspective on the Bible, on who I am, on everything. Why do I have to listen to these same racist white people? Spoon feed me truth. So I asked them, family, can I hear another perspective? Now, I could have went online, but back then when I asked this question in 88, it wasn't that much of a blow. It wasn't that much talk about online as it is now, Google and all that stuff. So I asked that question. Can I know what's going on? Can I see the world? Can I get another perspective? Remember, I'm building something. I'm building Seth. I'm building who is Seth. And later on, we're going to bring on Tasha Mahal. But I'm just, just for right now, we're going to just finish up this question. Then we'll go to the, um, and listen to Tasha with the three R's. But folks, listen, this is very important. I asked the father four questions and then the last question, it wasn't in this order. This, it wasn't in no certain order. The last question, family, was, is there blacks in the Bible? I keep hearing something strange that the Bible has black people in it. That's how I asked it. I keep hearing there's something strange like there's black people in the Bible. Father, were there black people in the Bible? Were there anybody that looked like me? I don't care what color they were. I will worship you no matter who you are. This is what your cousin asked the Most High these five questions with my heart in my hand humble as I knew how not crying with tears but crying in spirit did I ask those five questions and those five questions led to five answers those five answers we call five smooth stones 
That's why our names, you hear that word so much, five smooth stones. So those five questions led to five revelations. And no matter what your cousin is talking about, every single day of his life, he's going to mention one of those topics. The five topics that come that was birthed out of those five questions are these. These are the five topics that was birthed out of those five questions. The revelation of the true Israelites. Yes, the Bible has black people in it. The Bible is a book predominantly of the dark-skinned people. Yes, there were light-skinned people that came along much later through albinism and the mixing of albinos with each other. These were our people. These were dark-skinned people. There is no such thing as us versus them. They are us. Just less pigmented people come along. Less pigmented people came along from us. It's happening every day all over the world. We produce white skin, blonde hair, blue eye. The Father revealed that to me. Okay? Another topic that came out of the five smooth songs was the New World Order. I talk about the New World Order a lot. We've done probably, I don't know, 50, 60 shows on the New World Order. I never talk about it on this show. never talk about it to you, family, because it's just too deep. It's depressing. It's very evil. It's uncomprehendable evil going on. I do not acknowledge all of this stuff about the Illuminati with the celebrities, that they may be part of the Illuminati, but they're not the real Illuminati that I talk about, the people that control our world. Because they don't want you to know who they are. They don't go around throwing up Illuminati signs. So those Illuminati, Jay-Z, them, they want to be Illuminati. The real Illuminati is setting the price of gold, setting the price of money, affecting inflation. So we talk about that on Five Smooth Stone Network. Okay? All right? So topics that have come out of those five questions. The New World Order. The revelation of the true Israelites. And remember the father when I asked him what is really going on? What's really happening? Remember I told you I asked him that? Again, that was a part of the New World Order, One World Government. He began to show me. I mean, folks, I'm telling y'all, and and traveling is major because I'm not saying you have to travel to know this stuff. You don't anymore. Uh, maybe I didn't have to even travel, but a lot of this stuff I learned outside of the other countries because in the United States, a lot of this message, a lot of this, this this information is suppressed. So I had to go to Toronto to learn about uh, Bible leprosy, albinism, and how whites can come. I had to learn some of these things outside of the country, just like I thought. That's why I prayed that prayer, because in the States, it's just not talked about. But now it's all over, the, thanks, to the, thanks to the Internet. So, again, I asked them where there are blacks in the Bible. Of course, there's blacks in the Bible. That was a revelation. So I talk about that. Uh, I talked about uh, 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 what's really going on. So the Father began to show me uh, the, the uh, really powerful people. And the president is such a token. He is such a, a powerless person. I mean, he's chosen. And I, I'm not going to, you know, knock voting or anything, but folks, we're dealing with some seriously powerful people, and I get into that a lot, as well as guests that I had on the show. But remember I asked about understanding the book of Revelation. Can I understand the book of Revelation? Well, that was another thing I began to start uh, getting. Revelation after Revelation just came alive because I guess I asked. 
I asked, and he began to reveal it. I don't have to go to Hilton, Sutton, Hal, Lindsay, Pat Robson, all these people to get a revelation of, of the book of Revelation. A lot of things I begin to understand. One of the things I understand, family, I'm not going to get into it, but this America is Babylon. America is Babylon, and there's certain things that are supposed to happen to Babylon, but I can't get into it now. But again, asking those questions, those five questions that led to these five things. And remember the question I asked, can I see the world? Can I see the world? Well, that was answered. You just heard Reverend Pandy on, who's a traveling buddy of mine, and we've, and we've been able to go all over the world. Now, I ain't been to every single country like he almost have, but I've been in enough places to see some things outside of America's perspective. Okay, so that's why we talk so much about the five smooth stones. Okay, that's why we talk so much about five smooth stones. And when I asked the father, "What's what you using the black man? What's what you using the black man?" Listen to this family. This is one of the sharpest things I learned. God is not using the Most High. Is not using the black man because he's black. The Most High does not deal with color. The Bible says, "Those that worship must worship him in spirit and in truth." He is not using black men because they're black. He is using whoever will obey him. And guess what? What he is putting out right now, what the Father is saying to the planet right now, is so controversial to man, especially men that are been on being white supremacists. So they're not going to teach it. There's an influx right now among our young people about knowing who they are as Israelites, and the the Father is revealing in that. And white churches do not want to talk about it. That's what's making the black thing. It's not a black thing because they're black. It's a black thing because the black people talk about. It. They'll they'll preach this. We've been preaching anything that the Father has said for hundreds of years. But white people sometimes won't preach something if it's going to make black people look good. And they have always had that. Not all of them. Not all of them. I can't say white people, really, because there's a lot of whites that obey the Father quicker than a lot of blacks will. But the reason this movement and the churches as a whole, the international churches, is going non-white, it's not because God is interested in color. He's just interested in those that have a heart after him. And a lot of whites, after they've been told all their life they're superior, it's a struggle for them to say that the Messiah had nappy hair, that the prophets had nappy hair, and was dark-skinned people. It's hard for them, and that's what makes it a black thing. So Kenneth Copeland was right. All those ministers was right that were saying it in 1984, 85, 86, and all that time. They're right. But it's not because they're black. It's because they're willing to teach whatever the father say. If a white man taught it, the father would use him as fast as he was anybody else. He is not on no color thing. So these are these questions that I asked the father. Okay, folks, it's just that simple. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and go to Tasha with the three R's, and what we'll do after Tasha, we'll uh, come back, and I'm going to talk about uh, some passions in life, some of the passions, some of the fun things that I like to do. Uh, This is serious, folks. Tonight, we're a little serious, Uh, but this is Seth. Do you want to know, Seth? This is Seth. This is Seth. It's just that simple. Anyway, Tasha and the three R's, recipes, remedies, and reduce prices. Good evening, family. I'm excited to be here with you once again 
and anxious as always to share with you recipes, remedies, and reduced prices with the hopes that it will add a little flavor, healing, and some change in your pockets. My name is Tasha, and the first R in our 3R segment is recipes. And I thought about trying to find uh, a recipe that reminded me of a childhood favorite when I would visit a family member, a cousin actually, and her mother always made ice cream cakes. It's, it's one of the treats that I never got anywhere else and absolutely loved it. And I'll be honest, I haven't tried this recipe, but I do plan on doing so. And maybe we both can, you know, report back and see how we liked it. But um, if you're a fan of strawberries and chocolate, this is an easy, delicious icebox cake, which features a layer of chocolate wafers, whipping cream, and fresh strawberries. Um, it is a refreshing dessert, perfect for any summer gathering. Again, it is an icebox cake. So what you would need for this is you would need chocolate wafer cookies. Um, Nabisco makes a brand. A pound of strawberries, you want to hold those. A half a cup of sugar. An envelope of plain gelatin. A tablespoon of vanilla extract. One and one-fourth cup of heavy whipping cream. And one cup of plain Greek yogurt. So simple ingredients, guys. Uh, the I'm going to actually put the directions and the... Uh, and the list of ingredients in an email, like I did the last time, so you guys can kind of refer back. But basically, it's just a it's a matter of mixing everything. Uh, you will also need parchment paper, and you could use a eight by four loaf pan for this. And so, uh, to make everything, uh, you know, uh, just where it's not as messy and things like that. So, uh, it's a very simple process. When you're done, this will serve between ten and twelve people. Uh, to be perfect for the summertime, uh, and it's very easy to do. So uh, trust me when I tell you it'll be on, you know, online for you guys uh, shortly. And so hopefully you guys will enjoy it. I'm looking forward to making it soon. I just I thought about this and I thought let me look this up because <laughs> I've never made one myself, and um, it's one of those things that I, I really would like to be able to share with my children as well. The second R on our list is remedies, and. I'm sharing with you guys, everything I share with you guys is something that I'm actually looking into or I'm using personally, you know, for myself or my family. And so another one that I use, uh, another uh, thing that I'm using, you know, currently is vitamin uh, B. I actually use B100 uh, for myself just because um, I need all the benefits of vitamin B that I can get. Uh, but there's lots of benefits of the B vitamin, and they're great. They ease stress. They treat anxiety and depression. They aid memory, relieve PMS, reduce heart uh, heart disease risk as well. They reduce your risk of heart disease. And some vitamin B uh, helps cells to burn fats and glucose for energy. So if you're trying to, you know, uh, jumpstart your, you know, just your, your whole health regimen and trying to get back in shape, this would be a great way to kind of get started with vitamin B. B. Now, I always advocate, you know, trying to make sure that you change your diet to get some of these things in versus, you know, uh, you know, going into uh, supplementation. But honestly, uh, with our busy schedules and also just our just lack of knowledge sometimes, uh, you know, just how to prepare certain foods, what foods are best for this and that, uh, you know, sometimes supplementation is a good way to start. Um, but, um, you know, so some of the ways that you can get, you know, vitamin B in your diet is to eat plenty of B-rich foods, which are your dark green vegetables, proteins from animal sources, and whole grains. It is critical that we get vitamin D B in our uh, diet. It helps 
you know, with so many, so many different things, and most of us don't get enough uh, vitamin B. According to the USDA, deficiencies in folic acid, B12, and B6 are especially common. But um, if your stress level is high or your mood is off, kilter, or if your diet is low in Bs, you'll benefit from some of those supplementations. So don't shy away from those. Always, always, you know, um, discuss it with your doctor first before adding anything thing into your diet, especially supplementation. Um, and to get the most of, you know, the benefits of vitamin B, you will need all of them. So start with a, with a B complex supplement that contains all 11. Um, again, like I told you, I take vitamin B100, and I do notice I just, you know, I feel better throughout the day. I have more energy. I tend to get tired because I'm, I'm up early and, I, you know, I have long hours. And so um, this kind of helps me push me through the day. I notice when I don't take it, because sometimes I'm not consistent. I won't lie. Um, I'm not consistent. I notice right away the difference when I don't take, you know, you know this supplement specifically. Um, it, it's also best taken with food because it can cause you to, you know, be a little nauseated and so when you take it on an empty stomach, and also take it early in the day uh, because it does convert, you know, uh, stored fat and glucose into energy, you've got to have a burst of energy. So you won't be able to sleep as well as night at night. So you don't want that. So uh, look into your vitamin Bs. Um, I can't say which one would be best for you. You kind of know what your health issues would be individually. I'll, again, talk over this with your uh, with your health practitioner uh, just to find out what would be best for you individually. And then on to the to, to the third R, which is reduce prices. Again, like I have been doing here recently, I'm going to give you three because, guys, I love deals. I love deals. And um, and if I can find ways to save money and get a jump start on holidays and birthdays and things like that that I know that are coming up, uh, it just makes me feel better to give people quality gifts, but where I don't have to break the bank in order to do so. So this is another betting set that's actually at Macy's.com. Uh, you guys may remember, I want to say maybe a week or so ago, I talked about, you know, bidding sets. I think they were about 20 bucks at the time. But right now they've dropped all the way down to $15.27. It's one set, though. But you can get it in any size uh, from twin, twin extra large, which is, you know, that particular size because it's geared for college students and it's, you know, it's not something that you would buy for your home. Twin extra large tends to be, you know, on the more pricier size, when you, especially when you're shopping for college students. So this is actually a really good steal all the way up to a king bed. The original price on this was $80. You know, you get it for $15.27 when you use the promo code SUMMER, which this one, uh, basically what, it, what this code does is it gives you an extra 15% off, and which drops it down to that price. Now, there is a handling charge of $3 like there was before. There's also a shipping charge on this $9.95, but it is the low, lowest price that we've ever seen for this set particularly. Now, I like to try to save as much money as I can, so to avoid the shipping charge, you can um, have it shipped to the store, you know, uh, in your area. You can see if it's available to do that, so you can pick it up for free. Another way that you can avoid is you, you could spend $99. If you don't want to spend $99, you can add any beauty item to your order. Uh, the lowest-priced beauty item that I could find was Burt's Bees. They have lip glosses, lotions, everything, starting at $5, so you could at least get something and you can have the entire order shipped for free just by buying one beauty item. Uh, the second one is one of my faves. Coach Outlet has a sale every so often. Um, they do it, you know, pretty regularly every couple months or so. Right now it's actually going on. It's an online sale. So they have 50% off of everything on the site, but then off of the clearance they have an extra 40% off. 
guys, you can find gifts as low as $20. Um, uh, I've bought passport holders and umbrellas and shawls and different things. Um, they have shoes on there. I was thinking about buying my son some shoes. He just has a long foot. <laughs> but they have a nice pair of coach shoes for like 50 bucks on there. You really can't beat the, the, the deals that you can get. You can get yourself a nice handbag. Um, it's perfect in time for Christmas to kind of get a head start for, for those loved ones on your list. Um, so you would have to hurry over to coachoutlet.com. These sales only last for a few days or so. I believe the sale currently is going on for another four days. It just started today. So, um, you know, by the time this airs, it will be down to three days. So, guys, hurry over there. These things sell out very quickly, but there's lots to choose from, and they actually add things on a regular basis. And once you're kind of signed up, you'll know when these sales are coming so you can get in on it really quickly. Lastly, um, over at 6pm.com, uh, I frequent this site for my children. They have, um, uh, I guess you would call it odd-sized shoes. My son has a long foot, so it's hard for me to find shoes in the stores for him. So I like to go to sites like this where I can get you know, uh, reasonably priced shoes for him, nice shoes, name brand shoes, shoes that come from every show you can think of, Finish Line, Nordstrom's, Neiman Marcus, wherever you shop. Um, but you can get them at really, really good prices. They hold flash sales all the time. Sometimes they hold sales where nothing's over 20 bucks. Well, in a certain category, you know, if you will. Um, but right now they have girls' Ugg shoes and boots from the low price of $15. Now, one of the tips that I would like to give some of the women out there is that um, if you're up to the size 9 in women's shoes, you can still shop in the girls' sizes. Of course, we're not going to wear sequins and bows, but you can definitely get you a pair of Ugg boots for, you know, relatively inexpensive. Um, if To give you an idea, I wear a size 8, um, so I would buy a 6 in girls' shoes. If you were a size 9, you would wear a 7. So you just kind of convert it, you know, down to or up to, and that's kind of it's how you figure out what you wear. So it's a good way to buy nice quality shoes, but you pay a fraction of the cost because they hardly ever mark down women's shoes this low. So if you have a preteen or a teenager that has a smaller foot or a student that's going off to college or a sister or aunt or whatever the case may be, a friend that you want to buy a nice gift for, she doesn't have to. She'll never be the wiser, but um, it is a nice way to get a, a quality shoe, quality boot. And again, it starts at $14.99 um, for the... Um, for the for that particular style of shoe, for the brand, UGG. Now, 6pm.com is an Amazon company. Uh, the shipping adds $4.95, or it's free with, you know, orders over $50. They used to be known for sh shipping for free anything. I guess people really got hip to them, so they were, you know, they had to add a shipping charge uh, to that. There's over 150 different styles and colors in both little girls and big girl sizes, you can buy for the little girls, but it was just a tip for you to know that you can also do, uh, you can get something for you out of that, too, if you if you have a foot on the smaller side. So um, that is our three R's for today. Hey, guys, it has been a pleasure, as always, to share this information with you. Thank you, Uncle Seth, again, for allowing me to be a part of this program. Uh, let us all continue to grow, inspire, and connect with, with one another. And I did want to ask, uh, I love the idea of, of interviewing the host. Um, I was in the store with my son. We were walking around. We were watching people in the mall, actually, preening and <laughs> trying to be noticed and all those things. And I looked over at him and I thought to myself, am I leaving enough with him behind where he understands that it's more to life than what you look like and what you possess? 
And so I started to question, you know, what would he know me for? What would what would the world know he what what would the world know him for? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, based upon the lessons and things that we're we're teaching them, you know, of course it it, it kind of stood out to me because we're shopping. And so my question to the co-host is, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be? Uh, what do you want to leave behind? Because um, it is something that I started to think about personally, and I thought, you know, I, I know my kids know that I love them, but you know, what lessons are am I teaching them? Would they be more than people that are worried about what they look like and what they possess? And I, I know deep down that 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 there are more that there's more to them, but I just I just wonder if there's more that we can do to be sure that we have a greater impact on the ones that we love and the people that we come in contact with. Um, so let me wrap it up. And guys, until next time, God bless and love you, family. Goodbye. I don't like to, to talk about what I'm doing to make a living unless I'm 
it's unless I'm a CEO or somebody, unless I, I'm calling all the shots. And even if I'm calling all the shots, I still may not call it like I want. So it's very hard to determine who a person is by what they do. That's why I don't know why some people put so much stock in. That'd be the first thing they tell people. That is not who you are. It's just simple. It's very political what we do for a living. So who I am, who I aspire to be, is what I'm trying to, to talk to you tonight. What's in my heart? It's, I'm, I'm trying to share what's in my heart and what things that have happened, and I believe that was God. And, and I think this will really, really shine on more who I am. But again, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, family, every single one of us are spirits having a experience in the body. And a lot of what we are, we don't even know yet. We haven't experienced it yet. And I know that sounds a little, a little psychotic, a little, I mean, a little... Uh, um, I don't know where I'm looking for, but I'm telling you, family, we're learning even ourselves, so just know that as well. But I was end up talking about um, um, uh, the, the five smooth stones and what happened, how, how I asked the Father those five questions from my heart, and he came through and answered, okay? Well, <laughs> those five topics... Those five questions, brothers and sisters, cousins, nieces, nephews, is what birthed the ministry that I was called to. This is what I had to learn about a minister. When God calling you into the ministry, most ministers say they're called to reach the soul. I'm just here to, to get someone to Christ. I'm just here to bring you to Christ, what pastors say every day, all Sunday morning. That's what they say. I'm just trying to get people to Christ. Well, that's what everybody is called to do. Every single person has given their life to the Father through Christ's blood is called to bring others to Christ. Simple and plain. What else we call it to? That's just the main calling of everybody. So if someone says I'm a minister and they say the same thing, what makes them different than the next person? So what is a minister called to do? The Lord has to show me all of this. Everybody's called to win, so when save souls, and one way or the other, with your life, you know, which eventually may come down to you actually giving account verbally. But we all are called. Ministers, on the other hand, I believe, has a certain message. Apostle Paul had a lot of messages. You know, they they was then a minister is supposed to be before the Father at all time. They're supposed to be more spiritual because other people have to go into the job market and work, and you cannot be as an effective minister. I don't believe if you're working on a job, unless your job is ministry. You know, I mean, if you work on a, on a job like for Pepsi Cola or something, I don't think you could be in a, as effective as you can. If you wasn't working for Pepsi Cola, you was praying all day long and reading your Bible and, and, and going to parks and talking to the Father and getting a word and writing stuff down on notepads and really just being more spiritual. I'm not talking about that kind of spiritual where you know earthly good. I'm talking about some real hearing from the Father, changing lives with what you're teaching in your in your wherever you're teaching. Don't have to be no church. I ain't, no, ain't down with this building all the time either, because God have people everywhere. The most have to have people everywhere. So I believe that the most effective minister is a person that is not connected and giving strength to part of their strength to a job. So while I'm on a job, I think that my strength is being compromised from being the minister that God has called me to be. But I do believe this. 
that he gives ministers a particular message. Some ministers are bent, and oftentimes he call you out of, he call you to what you come out of. He call you to do what you come out of. You know, there's a lot of ministers that was on the streets, and I believe that when they come, when the father called them to the ministry, he end up sending them back to the people. That's normally the way it works in the scriptures. I'm no no exception to that rule. I have been brought up in church, and a lot of religious people, and a lot of religious things goes on, a lot of pastors lying to people, holding back, hiding, hiding the truth because they want money or they don't want the churches to uh, suffer from them teaching something that most members may not agree with. And so for that reason, they cause their members to suffer. And I've been one of those persons, I believe, that God has lifted, brought up, to expose this along with being encouraged as well. You know, it ain't always about exposing and tearing down. I'm not on that trip. But, uh, family, I'm telling you, tonight I'm going to share some things that I believe um, you probably would never have heard, some of you. Some of you may have heard. So you stay tuned. You got, I, I got a, I, We got a lot coming your way still. Okay, do not go anywhere. I've got some things to share with the family tonight as far as who I am and these other questions coming up. So, finishing up, who are you? Again, I don't want to talk about the job I do. Many of you know I work for the airlines. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I like football, I like a bunch of different things, but the most important things in my life, the things that drive me, the things that inspire me the most is what I'm sharing tonight for time's sake, okay? But I did do a more exhausted uh, version. It's on Blog Talk Radio, Five Smooth Stones. If you can just, all you got to do is Google Five Smooth Stones and Blog Talk Radio on Google, and you'll get all the shows that way too as well. But anyway, family, I wanted to just share with you that after the father answered the questions, again, those questions was, Father, what's happening? Why are you, why are so many ministers saying that you're getting ready to use the black man? Why, that sounds so racist. Why would you do that? I like hearing it, but it just don't, I, I don't want to make sure I'm not entertaining a lie. These ministers are not full of, they're just trying to play a game on us. What do you mean? Because there was a lot of people saying that back in the 80s. So God is getting ready to use the black man, raise up the black man. The black man is getting ready to rise, not only in the churches, but even in the secular world. We've been hearing it for a long time. And it's just, I want to make sure I'm on the right side. Okay? The second question was, not in this order, not in any order, um, what's happening in the world, Father? I just keep hearing so much that is happening in the world outside of what I'm hearing on the news. I'm hearing one thing on the news, but then I'm hearing no stuff is playing. Elections is rigged. You know, um, there's an Illuminati, there's a one-word government, trilateral commission, uh, all these organizations, masonry. And I kept saying, what is going on? I don't want to be somewhere ignorant. Father, what is going on? That was another question I asked him. Another one was, is there blacks in the Bible? I keep hearing about there being blacks in the Bible. I, say, I don't really care, Father. Right now, I believe Jesus was a white man, and he's, that's who I had up on my wall, and I didn't have a problem with him being up on my wall. I had a problem worshiping no white Messiah. Most black people haven't had that problem, so people need to quit blaming all these folks for being just on a Jesus' white trip because all of our lives he's been white and we served him, so it's not it. We're not the ones. We passed that test. It's up to white people to pass the test of him being black. See if you can serve a black messiah because we served a white messiah all our life without a problem. And he's still up on a lot of our churches. But I asked the question to the father. You can too, family. You can go right up on the father's knee. 
look into his eyes like a little boy, little girl would do you, and say, Daddy, or Granddaddy, was there any blacks in the Bible? Well, I asked the Father, and I went on no black trip. I didn't need him to be black for me to worship him. And he answered. I asked him, could I understand the book of Revelation? Because I didn't trust white people, and I still don't trust white people to tell me who I am and what God is doing in the latter days because they have been born, raised, bred up in racism, a lot of them, not all of them, and they will not tell the truth. And I have learned that even good white people that will don't mean any harm, there's so much in the bed with the wicked white people that good white people are affected, and they won't even tell the truth. A lot of people are afraid it's going to divide their church. This is why your cousin and other ministers have been raised up. I don't operate in the churches. I don't even tell people minister. I've said the word minister more on this blog, family blog, than I ever have in my whole life. I'm sure family members are tripping out because I don't tell from a minister. Only that no ministers over be around me. I mean, I just don't push it. I just tell what I have to say. I mean, there are family members in the Azalee side of the family that is probably listening right now with their mouth open because they never knew that. I don't push it. It's not really nothing to push. Push the message. Push what he told you to do. Go do what he tell you. What your title is not important. I will never put apostle bishop on my name. Why? Just do what he told you to do. Let the people say who you are. I let you tell me in my ministry. Well, do my words burn inside of your heart? Do the things you go to research that I tell you, are they not true? Let that be the determining factor of who I am. Many times in settings with the family, they'll say, well, the ministers come up. I don't go up because it's my family. And a prophet is not with honor in his hometown. So I don't even play. I don't even try it. They don't know. I don't really even push it. Those that I, when I do share, they want to come, they'll come. They'll support me. But I've had to reject enough to say, don't push that. Just stay where you're at. I don't have to be acknowledged. But anyway, moving right along. Five smooth stones. I ask those questions. I think I've asked them all. What's, what, what's happening in our world? Uh, why are you using black men, blacks in the Bible? Are there any blacks in the Bible? Father, can I understand the book of Revelation? And the last one, but not least, can I see the world? All of these, the Father has answered. He has showed me what's happening in our world. I already told you all, there is, we are controlled by Masons and Illuminati in high places. Barack Obama is like a peon compared to the powers that be behind him. And we saw that these last eight years. What about you using black men? The father's not using no black men, African Americans. He is not interested in skin color. He's using whoever seeks him. It's just that what he is doing on the earth right now with revealing who the real Jews are, et cetera, et cetera, whites are not going to want to talk about it. And that's why it's a black movement. That's why the church is becoming more and more dark. Okay? Uh, me wanting to see the world, I, I have been to enough places. I'm still not done. Rev. Penny, you just heard him invite not just me, but y'all to travel with him. Um... Blacks in the Bible, I'm telling you, that book is full of nothing but dark-skinned people. Because back then, Europe was not, I know you hear about Roman soldiers and all this stuff, but folks, I'm telling you, I got hard proof that those people was dark-skinned people. And this is not a slap in the face to white brothers and sisters because I love them like I love you, and I don't believe that in the us versus them, they are us. We are white people. We just have melanin on top of the white skin. I mean, we all have white up under us, up under the melanin. 
We're one, we're one people, one human species. The five only put two people in the garden. Black folks can produce every kind of color, hair, texture there is. On the other hand, whites cannot. We are the mother of civilization. I, uh, the black woman is the mother of civilization. Everything comes from dark skin, dark hair. Every color hair comes from dark hair. Every color eye comes from dark eyes. Every color skin comes from dark skin. This is not hatred. Why do we feel that way? But anyway, that's when I asked the, the father a question about, is there any blacks in the Bible? Of course, Israel, the prophets, all of them were dark-skinned people. White-skinned people, it talks about them in the Bible. Vitiligo, albinism was in the Bible, and it was a type of leprosy. Again, we get into that, into five smooth stone teachings. Again, go to Google, type in five smooth stones, space, um, blog talk radio, and you'll be able to get... Oh, and also just type in uh, a leprosy. It's a type of leprosy. There's several types of leprosy. That's one of them, albinism. And then the last question, not in this any order, was can I understand the book of Revelation? And he has showed that, revealed that to me. We talk a lot about the book of Revelation as well. Moving right along. Moving right along. Favorite pastimes. What are some of my favorite pastimes? I know I spent a lot of time on that, but it needed a lot of time on it. Favorite pastimes. Family, my favorite pastime, your cousin's favorite pastime, is simply learning truths just like the ones I just shared with you. It's just a high, it's better than any pleasure I have ever had on this planet. It is better than any experience I've ever had. To have the Father reveal something to you for practical living, something that you can apply to help your self-esteem, something to help you look in the mirror and see something extra, something different. There is nothing that can top that, nothing. When the Father shares something with you that you need, like you need your next breath, spiritual, there is nothing that can top that, family. It has just bored me. It's me. It's just, it just, I don't even know the word. There is no experience, pleasure I have ever encountered more powerful than to get something from the Father, and then it translates into something in my life that really helped me. Now, I'm not perfect, and I still need a whole lot more truth in some areas of my life, but I'm telling you, where self-esteem is concerned, who we are as a people, uh, who what that who the Bible is talking about, what's going on in our world. I don't know every single thing going on in our world, but I can tell you this: ABC, NBC, CNN people is some higher people. They reading a, 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 a you know words on the screen. They are not telling us what is really going on. The truth. The true family is often stranger than fiction. Again, I don't know it all. I don't even want to act like I know it all, but I can tell you one thing. What they're telling us, what they're telling us of who we are is a lie. What they're telling us of who they are is a lie. Our history in the United States is a lie. It's only about white people. And white people is only 8% of the world's population according to the United Nations. 92% of the world population, you're not going to talk about their history. We're miseducated family. We're programmed to serve white people. As sharp, the sharpest ones of us is programmed to serve. I'm not talking about the white person, the everyday white person. I'm talking about powerful white people. There are white people that's in the same boat as we in. They just use and abuse I mean, everything about our, our, our existence in this country is control. 
I, I put a favorite author on the Ednis but page's name is Noam Chomsky, N O A M Noam Chomsky. One of the brightest minds of our time. Some people say he's the smartest man on the earth. I'm not gonna give him that, that crown, but he's a bad boy. This is one of the white males I do trust. And he exposes America like no other voice in the United States. Noam Chomsky, check him out. I got some few clips few quotes on him on the Ed and Isabel page, but this is the one of the people, just one of many, that have exposed the people, the government, the powerful, the, the, the power brokers behind everything. And not to mention that a lot of them is, is, is allegiance, it's a Satan, okay? That Illuminati stuff that everybody's talking about on the internet, Jay-Z and them, that stuff is it's, it's, it's kindergarten compared to the to the people, the the, the movers and the shakers we talk about on Five Smooth Stones, the real Illuminati masonry. And you'll find behind all that masonry is Israel. What's behind Israel? What's behind masonry and secrets? The secrets is nothing more than the secrets of the dark-skinned people. <laughs> I'm gonna say it again. The whole secrets behind secret societies, masonry, Illuminati, is the holding down of the dark-skinned people. If they told all the... You ever notice, and I'm going to move on, but family, listen to this. Have you ever noticed that all of the secret societies in Europe... How many times have you heard of a secret society in Africa? I rest my case. This is one of the things we share on Blog Talk Radio, Five Smooth Songs, New World Order. Google it. All right? So my favorite pastime is learning and getting these things from the Father. Now, I'm not trying to say I'm some Moses and I hear the Father clearly. It's not true. My flesh is out of control at times, and I can't hear nothing no more than you can. But when I do what I'm supposed to do, and get in that quiet place, and he imparts to me those spiritual keys to make it practical living, it's nothing like it. So that's definitely a pastime. Don't you like sports and certain foods? And yeah, but this is the most, my highest pastimes. This is the highest pleasure on the planet that I know. It's better than sex. This is the highest pleasure pastime I know of. Once you get this information, my pastime, my favorite thing, is to share it. And I love sharing it across the world. Ron Panny didn't tell you this, but this man was so intrigued by Five Smooth Stone, the message that what God gave me, the five answers, that he actually took me to their congress in Papua New Guinea. Reverend Pandy, the guy you heard on the phone, took me to their Capitol Hill and was going to try to get me before a congressman in Papua New Guinea. He took me all over Papua New Guinea talking to his relatives, and, and, and one guy was a professor at the university. He was just taking me all over, saying, share with this fellow thing you showed me. And he took me to Congress. He didn't time it right, and we missed the appointment. We was not able to get in. But just the fact that he tried was uh, was amazing. It was, it was a serious statement he made. But I like sharing these things. And this ain't the only truth. Let's get something straight, family. This ain't the only truth. It, might not even be the, it ain't even the most important truth. This is just a truth. And Christ said, man shall live by every word 
that proceeded out of the mouth of the Father. You're going to need this information, and I got those five answers. I was just a little kid, so to speak. I was a grown man. But I just asked those Father, the Father those five questions. It may not be important you to ask those five questions. Maybe you have some other questions. But those is what I later learned that the Father called me to as a minister to share. So that's what your cousin do. Yes, I have the ministry of reconciliation. I've been called to the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ, you know, through my lifestyle and, and occasionally, verbally, when I get the opportunity. Yes, I do that. But I'm also sharing with certain people that the Father said, I don't go around talking to everybody about it. I don't share this on my job. At certain times I share these, these five smooth stones. But now you know. Now you know what they are. So... My favorite pastime is getting information and sharing it, hopefully, all around the world. I like doing it on the Internet, but I really like doing it in person. Another pastime I have is secular information. Now, this is not the Father. This is just worldly information. I love learning things about history and just anything that's going to help us in our everyday lives. I love learning it, watching it help me and benefit me and my family, and turn around and sharing it, hopefully, all over the world. I love traveling and sharing. I love traveling and learning. Uh, I put on the Ed and Isabel page, and if you haven't went, go check it out. A lot of the places I've been, I also put uh, descriptions on each picture of what it means. I went to the Ethiopia, for instance, to see Haile Selassie's castle where he lived. Uh, it's been made into a museum that was a very wealthy, powerful man that shook up Africa and really the world. Uh, he's the direct descendant of, uh, of, of, of uh, David. I mean, excuse me, Solomon and Queen of Sheba. Yes, Harry Celeste is a direct descendant of Queen of Sheba and, Harry, and, uh, and uh, Solomon, King Solomon, by a baby Menelik. It's a lot of history in there. We go into it. And uh, that's one of the reasons I went to Ethiopia. They have a lot of history. Ethiopia is the oldest nation. There is no nation on the planet older than Ethiopia. And I knew they would have a lot of history. Uh, just really quick, and then I'll move on. Just to give you an idea why did I go to Ethiopia, who is going in their right mind going to go to Ethiopia, check this out. When in the book of Acts, the Ethiopian monk uh, was reading the scriptures, and he ended up getting baptized. This man went back and established a church, folks. Did you know that the church that that Ethiopian monk established in the book of Acts is around today? That's just one of the type of things I knew I would find in the wonderful nation. Beautiful, beautiful country. And that's another thing. I don't listen to the media tell me nothing about Africa. If they say don't go somewhere as a rule, your clothes don't want to go. So I want to go to Cuba. I want to go to every place they say don't go because I found out the reason they don't want to they don't want you there for something that's going to help you. Okay, I, I go. I go. I don't let them scare me with, oh, they're Muslims. I ain't buying no Muslim Christianity thing. I go. I go. Because there's brothers and sisters just like us who love the Father, and they have beef with the United States. And when you listen to what they have to say, oftentimes you will find yourself agreement and getting the education of your life. So that's what we call five smooth stone. And right now, I want to just uh, kind of switch gears and go into something that I call my testimony. My testimony. I've already been testifying, really, with the five smooth stone. But I want to talk about some other uh, another testimony. Then I want to, what, what we'll do after this, we'll talk about some good experiences, some great experiences I've I've had. This is, again, who I am. Uh, tonight is Spotlight. I'm in the Spotlight. You're hosting the Spotlight. And I'm going to, after I talk about 
my testimony. I want to talk about briefly some experiences, and we'll make that pretty quick. And then I'm going to talk about message to the family, and we're going to wrap this show up, okay? So I'm going to do this really, really quick. I'm going to talk fast, so family, listen, really attentive, okay? I have a testimony, and I don't know where to start. It's three things I want to talk about. One of them is righteousness. How that I found out, you know, after sinning and sinning and sinning that, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, so I won't hit this as long, but many of you are still struggling with this right now in the sound of my voice, and you just, you don't know what to do, you know, in the holiness church, they teach us when you sin, if you die sinning, you're going to hell. That's what I was taught all my life. And I found out that Christ came to take away sin, not, not, not sinning, sin, period, all of it, past, present, and future. And I want to just put a name out there, a a minister by the name of Andrew Walnut. Andrew Walnut with two limbs is is just a man of of God in in sharing this information. How that we are made righteous. The Bible is is clear, but some people can't understand the Bible. That's why I mentioned this this young man's man's name, Andrew Walnut. He's not a young man, but a very wise man. He helped with the help of the Father me to see that sin has been taken care of, past, present, and future. And yes, he's a white gentleman. A lot of the people I listen to, I don't have no problem listening to anybody as long as they're full of truth. So don't y'all be moved by that. If some of you have issues with listening to white people, oh, please don't, because they are God's children just like we are, and sometimes more so. This man shared very clearly how that sin is taken care of, past, present, and future. When you're in Christ, you're, you're his. You can't get rid, you're not going to get rid of your son because they go out and do something crazy that's still your son, right? Your son can cuss you out, slam the door, break your glass, he's still your son, right? So as it is when we come to Christ. And because we are his no matter what, once we receive, we receive him, for this reason we're supposed to walk as children of the light and not sin and not violate the laws and keep his laws because we are his. We are his. We sin because we are, we, we're to live a holy life because we are his. We are one with him. It goes so much deeper, and I can't go into it too much more. Maybe we'll do a Bible study on righteousness, but folks, oh my God, it was one of the greatest things I've ever experienced on this planet when I found out that my sins was taken away, just like the Bible says very clearly, but these churches make it their business to put everybody in hell every time you do one little thing wrong. Folks, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You're either in Christ, a part of the church, sin, taking care of, past, present, and future, or you're outside the church and your sin is on you. You got, you can't be one or the other. You don't go 56 miles an hour because you one mile of the speed limit, you're going to hell, that crap. So the holiness people did a great injustice to people by teaching them that lie. All right? I'm not all holiness, but I'm just being honest, okay? The ones that I know anyway. That was a testimony of mine. I can't go into it deep, but it really was a blessing. It really was a blessing. Again, we cover that in Five Smooth Stones uh, as well. So, again, go to Google, type in Five Smooth Stones, space, blog talk radio, and the word righteousness, and you'll get the teaching. I think Arlene did that with me. Uh, that's one show she helped me do. Okay? Healing. Uh, healing. Oh, I'm so glad I thought to, to, to share this. Family, all my life I've been going to these churches, you know, and seeing people get healed, seeing people get delivered from uh, demonic oppression, seeing all kind of people just, just 
you know, all my life I've been saying this stuff, you know, on TV, and, but it never happened to me. Never happened to me. So, you know, it was just what mom and them used to do. Mom and them, would, I've seen her cast out devils. I've seen her pray for people. I remember one time a lady spoke against mom, and very few people spoke against what she was doing, but there was a neighbor that opposed to how she whipped her kids. And this this neighbor was a minister, Mama. She really was a minister, Mama. And uh, I think I don't know if she cried, but I can see the the woman got to Mama. And I never seen really about really anybody get her upset. But this woman was just telling me, you beat your kids too much. You need to listen to your kids. It ain't about beating them all the time. You da 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 da. And this lady was a little drunkard. She drunk a lot too. But uh, she really embarrassed Mama, talking all loud in front of the neighbors, and I just never seen anybody do it. Now, folks, I kid you not to make the story long, long story, very, very short. The next day, Mama early in the morning got a knock on the door, and that lady was gone. She passed away. Now, some people say, "Oh, that was just that was just coincident." Okay, maybe it was, but I'm just saying. A lot of things similar to that happened to saints. You know, it used to be, that's why the brothers would walk by the church and take off their hat. It was a reason. There was a fear of saints. And you didn't talk against God's people. And I believe that woman was judged by the most. I don't care what nobody said. The timing on that was just too much. It's just, I mean, it wasn't too much after she talked to my mother. She just went in and died. So... But anyway, that's just one little thing happened. But but there's many times, Mama would they would pray her and they would pray for people and people get healed instantly. Sometimes not. Sometimes they get healed at all. Sometimes they prayed and they didn't get healed at all. But sometimes they did get healed. And we saw blind eye open at our churches. We saw people get up out of wheelchairs. We saw a lot of miracles at our churches. We also saw people get prayed for and they didn't get healed. But I want to focus on the ones that did. The folks we knew was in wheelchairs and they didn't have no wheelchair no more. I want to talk about that. Because as a grown adult, I had to say to myself, well, if God's power is real, I need to be able to do it. I love the Father. We definitely need His power. And, uh, folks, I'm not trying to come off as though I'm holier than now. A lot of these things I don't see in my life right now. I do periodically. I'm not going to run away from no prayer for no sick or nothing like that. But I don't see it as much as I used to see it in my younger, more zealous years as a as a believer. But it, I ain't going to run from it. I will. It does happen periodically. It does happen periodically. But not as much as when I was more close and reading the scriptures more. Again, work on these jobs. You can't be as effective follower as you could be when you when I was younger and you know and uh, as, a, as a student I could study more of the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. But watch what happened. This is a testimony for sure, and I'm gonna make it really quick. And I'm sorry I'm having to um, go fast because I have so many situations, events that show you just how much. God's power is real. I began to start seeking the Father about healing. I read a book. I, I read a book called F.F. Bosworth. This book is not on my book list on the end of page because I have like 300 books or something. So I can't name all of them. So I just put some of the main ones. But I missed this one. F.F. Bosworth have a book called Christ the Healer, and I read that book. And I remember I had uh, stepped on a nail some days before. I don't know if that's why I was reading the book or if I was just reading the book because it was a part of my library, but I remember reading the book of Christ the Healer. And F.F. Bosworth was on the chapter where it talks about in Christ heal them all. And he healed them all. And he healed them all. And he healed them all. He kept talking.
talking about that particular line and Christ healed them all. And I was thinking to myself, well, I believe in Christ. I love him. He's real to me. Well, what about me? And I remember laying my hands on this foot that was swollen from a nail. And uh, what happened next, I don't know what. I can't explain it. Maybe you can. Maybe you can press one. And we still got a lot of family members holding on the phone lines, as usual. Lots of people on the phone lines. I see you. I see you. Folks, uh, I'm your cousin. I have no reason to lie to any of y'all. Y'all ain't paying me and getting no money for this. I'm telling you what happened. I laid my hands on my foot. After reading F.F. Boss with Christ the Healer, this is just a simple book by a man, gentlemen. And all he's doing is just talking about how Christ wants to heal you. He always heals. You never hardly see Christ. You never see Christ rejecting a sick person. So that's the will of the Father. He wants us all healed. Well, I don't know if he wants me healed. Well, where are you sitting in the scripture where he just says, I can't hear you today? Not you. No, you've been doing too much sinning. He healed them all. And if they was in sin, he said, your sins are forgiven. I mean, we're talking about the same God. So that's how I felt, folks. I stepped in that nail. My foot was swollen. I laid hand on my foot. And I must have said something to nature, something to the fact that I command this foot in the name of Jesus to go down. I command this swelling to go down, all this pain to go. Folks, I'm, I'm not lying to you. If I'm lying, I'm flying. The foot went down in front of my eye like a balloon. And I couldn't believe it. So people say, well, you got to be in faith believing. Well, I don't know about that because I didn't believe it. But it happened. And that started a long, long life of praying for the sick. It got so popular. I got so popular. I'm going to say the Father because I don't have no power. But it got so popular, people would call me and say, hey, Seth, can you pray? Hey, Seth, can you pray? And I will pray people. And oftentimes, many times, they was here instantly. So Mama heard about it, and Aunt, Aunt uh, Alma Jean heard about it, and they got me to go to the state school where these troubled kids, kids, teens were. And I would go there and pray for them, and they just saw a lot of people blessed by it. So why am I sharing that? A part of this show, I wanted to call it my testimony, and that's all I'm doing. I'm testifying to the power of God that not just was, but is in my life. Again, I was more zealous at the time, wasn't married, didn't have kids, didn't have a lot of issues and all the things that come with living a life as a married a father. And y'all know how this challenge is. You don't get a chance to spend time in the Word, time at parks, quiet time, sitting before the Father, all things we can do when we don't have obligations. And I, and I begin to, but I have also experienced a lot. Now, that was as far as healing. We're talking about healing people. Uh, real quick, Tamla Man went to a church called Holy Tabernacle on the east side of Fort Worth off of 820. At the time she went, I only mentioned her name because y'all know who she is. She went to Holy Tabernacle. Reverend Sample, her pastor, put me over outreach because I would go to the rest home and so many people get healed. True story. Call him up, ask him. Say, hey, you know, you know my cousin, his name's, uh, they call him Minister Turn at the time. Call. It's okay. I'm, all these things are true. Why am I bringing this up to make me look good? Nah. I'm just, I just told you it's not happening in my life now like it used to. So I'm not trying to, you know, that makes me look bad. I'm just testifying of God's power in my life. This is Seth. This is your cousin. This is my testimony. That's all I'm saying. But I will clear. I remember one time at Holy Tabernacle, I had a, a, a healing line. And I would read, I was going to F.F. Ballsworth book and had me going, talking about, and he healed them all. So I told everybody at Holy Tabernacle. 
Tamla Man was popular that night. She just was a little girl that went to school, went to church there, kind of shy, little heavy set girl, shy. And I said, oh, she was there now, but I'm just saying she went there, her grandmother and everything. So I said, God is going to heal everybody here. Now you don't do that. I don't know nobody to do that. You don't say God is going to heal everybody. But I said it, and I asked for the sick to come up, and I start praying for people. Every single person wasn't that many, probably about ten, fifteen people, but all of them had different sicknesses. They were smoking and painting. Every single one of them got healed, except the last lady. True story. May the Lord do something to me if I'm lying to y'all. I don't have no reason. I ain't trying to get no grindy pork with y'all. I'm just telling you the truth. This is your cousin. Just testifying about God's power. Not me so much. So this last lady comes up, and she has a severe sore throat. I mean, it's minor, but it's serious. She and I pray for her, and I would ask them, how do you feel? These are black folks. They ain't going to lie. They're going to tell you. And they would say, it still hurt a little bit. Or what? I say, well, how do you feel? She said, well, she swallowed. She kind of looked at me like, I said, is the fear there? And so I knew that the Father would heal her. So the only thing I can think of is when Christ said, go and dip in the water. You know, tell her to do something to, to, to activate her faith. You know, a point of contact. So I saw a fountain. I said, go over there and drink some water and come back and tell me. Now, soil throat ain't going to get rid of by no water. And then especially on severe soil throat, it's going to make you get up in the line and go get prayer. And she went to the, to the, to the fountain. Last one. Last one. Ask Rem Sample about this. I mean, I don't, I don't expect y'all to call, but I don't mind. He's a very nice guy. He'll talk to you. But uh, that woman danced back from that fountain. She didn't walk back. She danced back. So every single person got healed. Every single one of them got healed. But I want to share one more thing, and then I'm going to run. Time has gotten away, but I knew this would happen. I started sharing my testimony. The other thing was I saw Billy Mominum for many years cast out evil spirits. Like it was nothing. So, you know, you get to be older, family, and you start questioning everything. You start questioning, you know, is this stuff real? Is, you know, it's too much talk about evil spirits all over the planet for it to be fake. It's too many. And some of you know even better than I do on all of the stuff I'm talking about because you lived it. All of it. There's some of y'all that know your stuff. Well, I never experienced evil spirits. I just heard about it when I was younger. So as a young minister, I started studying about evil spirits. And I'm going to tell y'all three short stories. I'm going to really make them short. Again, if you want to hear this in length, go to Google, type in Five Smooth Stone, Blog Talk Radio, and Demons, and you will hear the long version. So let me tell you what happened. I was at the library one time. And I was arguing with the Bible, this particular gentleman. And I'll do me arguing the Bible, something you're not supposed to do. But I was doing it. And we were just really getting out of hand. All of a sudden, I looked at the end of the table. It was a nice-looking black girl, a young girl. Could look to be about maybe 19, 20. I looked at her, and I saw something. But I didn't see it with my eyes, per se, folks. I saw it was a knowing. It was more like a knower. Many of you right now laughing because you know exactly what it is. But you got cousins on the line. They don't know. They really have no clue. And they never heard this. Check this out, family. I saw or perceived in her that there was a presence of an evil spirit. Now, I told the guy, I said, man, I just saw something in this girl. And he looked at me like, 
you know, we both in holiness churches, so he didn't look at me too crazy. He looked at me like, what? I said, see the girl on the end of the table. I just saw something in her, and he looked at me like, he saw how I was looking like I was serious. To make the long story short, I goes over. I said, man, I got to talk to this girl. I'm prepared to say something to her because I saw something in her. When I walked over to her, she looked just as normal as anybody else. It's just that one time I saw. So I went over to her, and I heard this as clear as day. Share the gospel with her. And I kept saying, well, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's me and this guy. I, I need to talk to, what, to her about what I saw. But I kept hearing it. It was just like a part of me saying, share the gospel, nothing else. Don't worry about what you saw, share the gospel. So what I did, I ignored that voice that said, share the gospel, which is, young lady, just want to come and just tell you how good God is to me, that he is a healer, that he loves you, and that he came and died. You know, just the gospel, something very simple. It was very strong in my spirit. I can't explain to y'all folks. So what I did, I didn't listen to that voice. I listened to the voice to say, listen to the, uh, the, um, trying to play a little music in the background. I listened to the voice, I mean, the, to the, uh, me seeing this, whatever I saw in her. So I looked at her, her name was Stephanie, I asked her name, and she, I said, why are you here, you know, what are you at the library? I was just, have, just having a conversation, you know, and she said, I'm just here, uh, just trying to find a career, and so, it came to me again. She's trying to find a career. This is the first opportunity for her to give her life to the Father. You know, she's looking for a career. Share the gospel. This is a wonderful time for her to give her life to the Father. And just basically it was like, ignore what you saw. Share the gospel. So what I did, I didn't do that. I told her, Stephanie, the reason I came down to this end of the table, left my friend, is I saw in you an evil spirit. Now watch this, folks. I have never ever dealt with an evil spirit not as an adult I've seen other people as a kid you know they would say put your hands on the Bob and all this stuff and they would be casting out never we're in a public library so when I tell this young lady that I saw in her evil spirit what happened next is mind boggling this girl began to make these faces. Now, you got to understand, it's a very nice-looking black girl. There's no reason for her to be making no faces. She wasn't crazy. She was just a regular, dressed in a regular dress. She looked like anybody else in the library. But this girl started acting like something very strange. I mean, you can make faces. You can maybe squint your nose and your eyes at the same time, but you can't squint your nose and your mouth. You have to see... It was like somebody was with the invisible hands was moving uh, all these different facial. And so you think that's strange. What's going to happen to me is even stranger. When it happened, it's like something came over me, and I got the boldness of I don't know where. And I was like, I see you. I'm not afraid of you, and you can't have her. And, I mean, we just went at it. What was in her? Something happened to me, and we just—I just went after her. I was like, "I'm not gonna let you." I say, "Stephanie, you know I know what this is." And then when she would come back, when that thing would quit using her face, she would just be out of breath, like. <sighs> and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But anytime you're dealing with evil spirits, you know what I'm talking about. It's true. That the thing in her had control of her soul. When they would let her go and let her speak to me, she would be out of breath like she had ran a marathon. She would be like, 
I gotta go. I gotta go. And I said, listen, hold on, hold on. Don't leave. You know. She said, I know. I said, you know I know what's going on. She said, I know. I know, but I gotta be, she said, I gotta, I gotta leave. And I kept talking to her, like, let me stay. And then it would happen again. Her face would go to all these contortions and stuff. And then I would say, Stephanie. And it would keep talking. So finally I said, listen, let's go to the back of this library because I want to get her to a place where I can really attack these spirits. And I found out later you can't do that. A person has to give their life to the Father, and then the evil spirits don't have legal grounds to be there. All this stuff I have to learn later. So I end up making, I'm i got to make the story very long. Make the long story short, family. Again, I asked the Father. This is my testimony. Tonight we're talking about Seth, host of the, the, the show, and this is my testimony. Power of the Father. The realization of evil spirits. How it happened to me, and not my mom, and not Billy no more, not Irene and Billy no more. This is something I went through. So I got to the back of the library, and I started trying to, I was going to mimic everything I've seen Mama, Billy, and all these other ministers do that have come through prayer faith. And so I get to the back there, kind of like Hollywood type thing, you know, you know, not in the spirit no more. I just want to get back there, and I want to yell at this thing, you know. And I get back there, make the long story short, I get back there, and she, 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 she just come on back because she know I can help her. And I pray for her, and the things she started, the things take over her face as I'm trying to pray for her. And I'm not, I have my eyes closed. I'm looking at her. And her face just, it just, I don't know what happened. That boldness I had just left me, and I became a regular person again. And when I realized what I was doing, I'm looking at that girl's face, I have never in my entire life been that afraid since then. The fear that came over me, knowing what I was dealing with in the broad daylight in the library, with me back there trying to practice what I saw on TV, that scared the hell out of me, so to speak. I mean, I was terrified. And so I just, when she finally came back breathing real hard like she was running a marathon again, I asked for a phone number and I jetted. So that was another kind of, even though I didn't cast it out like Mom and Billy and all those other people, I had the experience. It changed me. I knew that our world is no longer just flesh and blood, just like Ephesians talk about. So I don't have to go ride the coattail of Mama, Irene, and Billy. I know that evil spirits are real, but that's not all. That's only one of, I don't know, maybe a couple of hundred since then. Here's another one real quick, and I got to go. I was dating this young lady, and her daughter had an imaginary friend named Satima. Satima. Her name she had a cousin named Sabrina that would come over and they had an imaginary friend named Satima. I didn't like how the little girls were talking about this, how they talked to this imaginary friend. All three of them talked to this imaginary friend all the time. This one really talked to this imaginary friend all the time. Now, some of you saying, oh, Seth, it's just an imaginary friend like people would tell me later after I told the story. But I say, listen, there was something up with the way these girls was talking to this imaginary friend. So I told my friend I was dating at the time, listen, I know you love your dogs and everything, but I think something is up with this imaginary friend. She said, well, let's go walk. Let's talk about it. So we went walking. I said, listen, I don't mean to pick on you, but this, every time I come to your house, the way they're talking to this imaginary friend is not right. It's something not there. She said, since you never had an imaginary friend? I said, nope. She said, well, I did. So I said, well, listen, I, I heard of imaginary friends, but I just don't like how they was going to anyway. She said, well, don't worry about it. When I get home, I'll tell them that they got to get rid of Satima. Now, folks, it's a true story, and i got to wrap this show up. I told y'all, if you go to Five Smooth Stone, Blog Talk Radio, and type in the word demons, I share another story about a woman named Nedra. Oh, Lord, I shouldn't have said her name. I 
never want to say people's name on there. You never know who's listening. But it's a true story where the Fort Worth police got involved. You got to hear that. Go there and check it out. I'm not trying to tempt you or... or, or, or uh, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I'm just running out of time. That's all. But uh, this girl, when we get to the door, she knocks She gets the key and opens the door. And this is what her daughter says. Mama, Satima says she got to leave. Satima says she got to leave and she's not coming back. Now, you might say, oh, that's coincidence. They don't mean nothing. For your daughter to meet you at the door talking about your imaginary friend and that she's got to leave and they all looking sad, that was major. Her, this lady, was terrified. She told all her kids, quickly, quick, come in the living room, come in the living room. Seth, please pray, please pray, because she recognized there was something there. So we prayed, and you know who hand I grabbed. I grabbed the girl with this, talked about the thing the most. And so I grabbed the hand and really prayed, and uh, I cast the spirit out of that house. And as far as I know, they never had that again. Folks, what am I doing? Tonight on this show, I'm just talking about my life, my testimony, and time has run out. Uh, I was going to talk about great experiences like the Mega Man Mars, but I already hit that really with William B. We talked about it already in the past. Uh, my message to the family is we are not in this world by ourselves. We are in a spiritual warfare. If you don't know it, you better ask two people. I'm serious. It's serious, and it's not all negative. It's not all gloomy because the saints win. We are the winners. We have power and authority over evil spirits. We ain't got a cow down or none of them, nothing. We are the most powerful beings on the face of this earth. And so, uh, again, I pray for both, and I must say, your cousin is not as sharp as I used to be because I don't have the time to to, to 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 do like I did and spend all that quality time with the Father. I'm not a spiritual. I'm a, I'm a carnal Christian right now, working the system, uh, often caught up with the cares of this world, just like each and every one of you. But that is going to change one day. But I just want to take this time out to just share who I am uh, because I prefer to talk about the spirit more than the natural, the financial, and all that because all that stuff centers around – all that stuff is it's just trivial compared to the spirit. We are spirits. A lot of the pain we see is spiritual. Some of it is because we lack knowledge and, you know, of our eating habits and all that stuff. Yeah, I understand that. But some of the pain we see, true, real evil we see has to do with us being in a world that's inhabited by both mankind and fallen angels as well as angels that are not fallen. So your cousin is simply just saying tonight, this is a part of who Seth is. Okay, I can't tell you all who I am, just like you can't tell me all who you are. We have a future coming up, and that's a part of us as well. So hopefully y'all got a little glimpse of who I am tonight. I did share a lot, a lot of information on the Ed Nisbet page, uh, places I've been with Reverend Pandy, the guy that was on earlier. Some of you didn't hear all any talk earlier. Go back and listen to the show, listen to it again. Um Anyway, I enjoyed it. I, I know I was a little lengthy here, but there's a lot to me. I'm not a simple guy. I'm very, like Arlene said, it's a lot of things going on in our world, and I'm just very interested in trying to help my family make a difference. I'm not better than anybody. If I come off as a little stronger, uh, I know it all, please forgive me. But I'm telling you, uh, the things that I've seen, they've just, they're just changing me. They're just life-changing and uh, very, very scary. 
but at the same time, it's very encouraging to know that we have the power. God has given us the power to uh, to, to, to be overcomers. So um, I'm going to end with this, the same song I started. <laughs> so when you hear people talking about we got the victory and all that, it just sounds like a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, don't it? It, it only seems like it's irrelevant. they just religious people talking about the victory. But that's what they're talking about, the victory over these demons. People are, it's real. If you don't know about it, I understand. I don't understand how crazy it sounds, spooky it sounds. But it's real, folks. It is so real. And they're in our world. And they're influencing our thoughts. Okay, you get a crazy thought. That's not you, family. A depressing thought to end your life. That's not you, family. A thought that you're going to stay sick. That's not you, family. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So this is just your cousin. I'm trying to sign off here. I'm trying to look over my list and see any little things I kind of miss. But anyway, next week, Darlene will be on. It'll be her time to, uh, we'll bring her on and talk about what's going on with Darlene. And uh, like I said, don't forget to go to the Isabel page. I got three slideshows with a lot of pictures and comments and descriptions on the photos. And don't forget uh, Blog Talk Radio, uh, Five Smooth Stones, and any other topics I said. You can listen to it. I, was, I, I really think you should, should go and listen to the, the thing called Advanced Warfare, where I have on a lady that actually cast out even more spirits that I talked about and she is really making it very clear you should do that tonight if you got an opportunity anyway love every single one of y'all yes i do love every single one of y'all ain't nothing nothing you can do about it i'm gonna sign out here with a very powerful song uh by the clark sisters we got the victory talking about over the flesh the world and even even evil spirits good night